Hello everyone! Welcome, welcome! It's the intro we tried to use last time, but it did not work out. I am one of your co-hosts for Design Dorks Gaiden, the Duke of Dorks, and joining me today is the bane of all Mega Man mains existence, Pyrrhic Kong. Hello everyone! Are you ready to hate Mega Man today? Because boy <laughs> do I hate Mega Man! He is the absolute worst, isn't he? Alright, let's see uh, how many people clicked off at that point. Uh, I'll, I'll look at the analytics. I'm expecting like an, at least a 10% spike. Hopefully, hopefully. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> I just want to see that. Huh, for some reason, most of your viewers stopped listening after the 30 second mark for this video. Yeah, gotta love those passive aggressive comments from YouTube analytics. They're just the best. I know, right? Anyway, yeah, you want to talk about, uh, you know, promiscuity and Xenoblade again? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, let's, let's let's talk about the rip repercussions of having a 16-year-old protagonist with a love interest that's thousands of years old. I love that sort of thing in anime. Awesome. Anyway, guys, welcome to Design Dork's Gaiden, where we talk about the last month of video games that we had, just news coming up in it, and just, you know, general junk like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's our... It's our uh freebie card for the YouTubes, because we don't get- if we made videos about this sort of thing, we would not get views. Exactly! And I think we're doing very well for a podcast that's only on YouTube right now. <laughs> oh, I'll mention right here, just for people that want this on Spotify, it gets a little complicated because we use video game music in the background of this sort of thing. I've been looking into it, and I'm just trying to figure out a way to do this without getting in trouble. <laughs> right. Maybe we do a non-musical version of that, but it loses something in it. It's just, it's just trying to figure it out. You hear a lot more of our mouth noises when we do that, and mouth noises aren't fun. <laughs> What, you don't think that they don't enjoy all of this? Yeah, it's just super wet noises when you do like the P's or T's or F. I love, I love trying to edit out V in audition. Oh it's god, so I love when I end a sentence with a P or an F and I take a breath during that sound. <laughs> oh, I'm so, I'm so glad that somebody else understands the pain, right? <sighs> Yeah, similar so format as last time, we're going to talk about the games, we're going to talk about the news, going to have a little bonus stage, and then I got some comments we're going to talk about as well. Oh, nice! Yes, I remembered this time. I was supposed to last time, but remembered partially, partly through recording that I forgot to do it. You know, it, it, it happens, yeah. Harrowing yeah. life choices. Uh, first segment I want to go, K. Rule Watch. There is no K rule yet. Oh, right, we gotta keep. Yeah, no K rule yet. No, no references in Kirby or anything like that. Nope. But as a reminder, I have bet that King K rule will be relevant by the end of the year. Duke has bet that he will not. The loser has to sing a song from the Donkey Kong Country show. This has been K rule watch. <laughs> I'm gonna get one of those like newscast just right. intros for that. Mm -hmm. Just. Do the Bayonetta 3, there is no news, but K. Rool is just asleep on a desk. Yes! Man, it was so great seeing that after, like, thousands of days, the holy shit tweet from the <laughs> News! All of the news that once it's living! God, yes. Shoutouts to Is There Bayonetta 3 News on Twitter. I loved you. Yeah, you, you served your purpose. God, did you serve it well. All right. So what games have you been playing this month? 
Um, I've been playing a couple, not as much as the previous, but just a couple good ones that I've been able to sit through. Uh, first one I played through was a little Super Famicom game called Magical Poppin'. Magical Poppin'? I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's a uh, 1995 uh, Super Famicom game. It just stars a cute little witch girl, and uh, it's really pushing the Super Nintendo to its limit insofar as speed and sprites go, and it's just a cute little semi-platformer, semi-beat-em-up style game, just sort of in the vein of Kirby, or like a classic Ninja Gaiden, sort of a mix of that. And, uh, yeah, it's just a cute game. It was just a little peaceful thing to go through. Admittedly, I did not think much of it. I thought, oh, this is, this is just a cute little game. This is, this is all right. Until I got to the fifth world, because every world, it's, it's like a semi-Metroidvania where, you know, you have the main level, but there are small deviations from the path. And, uh, if you go into those, you get essentially permanent sub-weapons that you can just, uh, shift through. And it's neat. One of them's like a grapple hook that you latch onto grapple points with. One of them is like a fireball shot. All of them have super moves that are absolutely broken and just melt bosses. But uh, the one in the fifth world is, I think, the closest thing that I can mention it to is the Sonic Mania Drop Dash, where you just instantly turn into a ball and you zoom off at Sonic speed straight forward. And you don't have a hitbox, but the interesting thing is you go up walls with it for the entirety of the dash. So it's like it's a combination of the spin dash and the Metroid Spider Ball. And that That feels so unique and interesting. And then you have five pretty standard levels. And then the last level is a massive labyrinth. Like, it's like going straight from Dinoblade to the Great Cave Offensive in Kirby. But imagine if the Great Cave connected non-linearly to all of its points and you had to get to the end of it. Kind of like the Great Cave in Brawl. Whatever it was called. Yes, the great similar to the Great Maze, but like you're only trying to get to the end point. Okay. And it's just a massive labyrinth with no map. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's it's Super Famicom, baby. They don't have that. So it's just a test of memory, and you just got this incredible burst movement option, and the game is testing all of your movement mechanics. The issue is it would be really well designed if Sprite Flicker and Slowdown weren't a thing. Ah, because they're shooting a ton of projectiles at you and sometimes it just eats inputs and sometimes it's just like well how was i to do any of this like that last level feels ahead of its time in like the bad way of oh they almost did it and then there's just a random vampire mini boss who doesn't appear anywhere else who like has shoryukens and such he's great (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's um it's a relatively easy game. Only took me about two and a half hours to get through. Is it worth your time? Not significantly, but I thought it did enough really unique stuff by the end that I'm like, if someone pulled inspiration from this, I would be really happy. Nice. It's always bothered me that like Sonic can't do that in those games because like just the spinning ball going up wall that feels amazing in games that you can do that with. I just wouldn't necessarily see that happen. Exactly. And then for my other shorter one, I played uh, Later Alligator. Have you heard of this game? I only know the saying. I didn't know there was a game. Ah, there is. Well, I'm going to just throw a couple screenshots in chat, and you will get exactly what the vibe of this game is from those. All right, I will put these on screen. (laughs) 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is just a very simple point-and-click adventure game where you're hired by an alligator who thinks that someone is going to kill him. And you're like, please investigate my family. I think they are going to kill me. And you just go around to his large extended family in Alligator, New York City. And they all go, no, dude, we're just throwing him a birthday party. He's just paranoid. (laughs) But he'll call you back every so often and he'll go, no, oh, they're just saying that. You think they're trying to throw me a party? Nah, nah, Pat's too smart for that. This this is going to be like last year, where it was a party. This seems so charming. It is absolutely charming. They make you play minigames. None of them are particularly well-programmed, but they're pretty funny. Just like little diversions, like you have to do a little claw game for a little girl, and it doesn't have great controls, but you pull little things out, like there's a parody Cloud Strife figurine in it, a diamond, there's a seashell, and she goes, huh, I wonder if I can hear the ocean. Huh, it says climate change is causing the acidification of the ocean. That's a bummer. If you like that tone, if you like that sort of irreverence, if you like referential humor, this is a one playthrough game where, you know, you just do as much as you can in one playthrough, and it doesn't have much replay value, but it's all hand animated. It's got great music. It nails its vibe. It's just... It's such a cute game. If you're on the fence about it, just just watch a playthrough of it online. You'll get similar to the same experience that you would playing through it. But I do highly recommend that you just support the devs because this is such a cute and charming game. Yeah, the little, the little humor in these screenshots. I, I already want to see just what else this game has in it. Exactly. Exactly. That uh, JoJo phone uh, screenshot <laughs> is his phone is haunted by a ghost and you have to debug it to get it into ghost mode to exercise his phone. Oh, yeah, okay. And you have to go, please don't delete my anime pictures. They're very important. I mean, yeah, this this Crocodile Jojo thing, like, I top priority there. Exactly. The family picture, that's okay. Gosh, if you delete Alligator Goku, I don't know. But yeah, those were my little quick games. Uh, what you got? Uh, in terms of my little quick games, um, first off, just a little update on Earthbound. Uh, I'm not saying that I've bounced off of it quite yet, because I, it's, um, have you run into the third strongest mole? I have not, but I, I'm unsure. I, I'm, I'm, it took me forever to get out of the, um, the Mr. Belch area when you have to get like the third piece of the melody. Yeah. Just a bunch of, bunch of, bunch of mushrooms and the leaf people and just like, ugh. Oh, yep. Yep. That's a sticking point. Basically just walking back and forth, back and forth, trying to get a spawn that doesn't instantly wipe you. <laughs> yep. Well, not instantly wipe you, but you get the mushroom debuff and you have to walk back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I was able to get out of it and get to the desert, but going through that segment, I was like, no, I'm done. I'll pick this up again. I think I'll probably still go back to it, but like, Starting to feel the game's age. Yeah, Earthbound has a lot of those sections, unfortunately. You've hit one, you're about to hit a worse one with the desert. Oh, lovely. Yeah. (laughs) Looking forward to that. All right. But then the game ends so strong, and uh, at the other side of the desert is a great town. Oh, I've heard stories of Foreside. Yep. I I want to get to it, but just the game is making it a little difficult. (laughs) Yeah, there, there's something to be said about, you know, there's struggles and hardships and, you know, it fitting in with the theme of the game and rep- repetition and all that. 
I think that's done a little bit more strongly in Mother 3, and you still feel that. Like, I'm not going to tell you that, you know, oh, you think this game is boring? That's intentional. You're just wrong. Like, no, if it's boring, it's boring. I get it. I do appreciate that they put the difficult area right next to the Saturn Village, because it's nice just being able to, okay, go back there, get free healing, go back, but... Yeah. I don't think that exists in the desert, and I'm kind of dreading that. Yeah. Ah, well, I don't need money. Eh. Money's an illusion that your dad can generate. (laughs) Uh, Apart from Earthbound, uh, (laughs) after after the last um, episode, I bookmarked Wordle. Oh, dear. Yeah, just, just... It's like you said, it's, it's a little game that never hurt nobody. Exactly. It's nice to, ha- nice to have that reminder that there's a weird sense of pride that comes from, oh, there's a popular thing. I don't know about that, but it's totally baseless and it's not healthy to dwell on that. It's nice to have that reminder of like, oh, yeah, this is popular. There's probably a reason for that. Exactly. And it's just a charming little game. Yeah. It's a nice brain teaser to wake up to. Cool. You still have 100%? No, I got a 96. There was a... as. Expoy or something. There was a oh, word I had never yep. heard of before. Oh, I remember that day. I remember just plugging in the letters and saying, "Is this close?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this a word? That's a word. Google. Is this a word? That's a word. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I, it's it's nice to have those little moments of like, oh, hey, I learned a thing. Well, I I'd say that, but I've already forgotten what the word is. Exactly. So I, <laughs> I have no idea what that is. I'm never getting that time back. Some chemical catalyst thing. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. That, that's my, my... Oh, it's 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 not me playing it, but my brother is playing through Hollow Knight right now, and it's just nice hearing the horror of trying to get through Deep Nest. Oh, that's good. No, my, my sister is playing through uh, Final Fantasy XIV and hearing occasional screams of, No, not this character. No. No, that was my second husband who died. That's the worst. And then she had me try to do this platforming challenge with MMO controls. Like, there's, there's this oh, tower. Oh, MMO. MMO? Yeah. There's this tower in, I think, Stormblood, where, like, it has weird geometry on the side. It's like, I, I, I don't know, a Japanese temple, several stories high. And they have little, little ledges, like little sticks of wood coming out of the wall. And it's like, okay, you can jump up them. And it, it's for nothing, but you can just go climb up the tower with it's terrible platforming pride controls. And accomplishment. And she's like, here, here, do it. And then I got like halfway up and she's like, okay, that took a lot less time than I took. <laughs> but then I, I couldn't get past the, the second bit. I, I got to the balcony for those keeping score. Yeah. And MMO platforming, like, Part of me respects the challenge, but at the same time, it's so frustrating trying to do something the game was clearly not designed for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, I played through Diddy Kong Racing. Oh, nice! Yeah. God, is that game fun. And, like, the more I play it, and the more I play Cl- Crash Team Racing, the more I realize, God, Mario Kart 64 was never any good. Because this came right? out the same year and was so much better. I, I'd even make, rank the Mickey Mouse Speedway over it. Like, Future Mario Kart's got a, got better, but like, 64 was a bit of a stumbling block, and Rare was just killing it with the racing genre. I know. I thought that Diddy Kong Racing wouldn't age well. I thought that it would be stiff, it would be difficult, uh, that it was just, oh, it was a cute game for my childhood. And then I realized, no, it's actually really good. The turning is slick, unless you play as Crunch, who is actually maybe the worst racing character 
I have ever played as. But outside of him, the rest of the cast handles great. There's differences in them, but like Banjo is is really stiff, not crunch stiff, but he works well with the game's super break turn, which normally sends you at like way too sharp of an angle if you're a lightweight, but if you're like Banjo, it sends you at this great angle where you can maintain his speed, but it's really hard to do so, and that gives you an extra edge from the weight classes, and it's not just lightweight, medium weight, heavyweight. Each of them has very slight differences, and you can feel those very slight differences, and I love them. Course design, still fantastic. The liberation that you get from uh, flying in the plane is incredible, and the fact that you can just accentuate your skill by doing barrel rolls in the middle, which will slightly boost your speed, but also then you're locked into your forward momentum and you cannot turn, so you will slam into a wall if you do it at the wrong time. It's great! So much of this game has been carefully considered. It's it was originally based off of uh, an idea of just going around uh, Disney World, and you can feel that sort of theme park aesthetic, that sort of being a child in just a theme park, going to different lands and just playing around in it. It's got such a great vibe to it. Like, I'm so happy when I go back to a game and it's better than I remember it being. All right. It's just like, oh, yeah, my nostalgia is absolutely validated here. Exactly. And, like, I remember it being super, super, super tough as a kid, and now that I'm willing to understand those deeper mechanics and explore it, it's still a decent challenge, but I feel myself getting so much better. I feel myself really becoming an expert of the game. Not not a, not a speedrunner by any means, but, like, willing to go into the time trials and race the ghosts. And, like, nice. getting to that level... And you unlock a character for doing that, and he's broken. So, like, it's worth it. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. But being able to do that and feeling that, is, it's, it's just so great. Like, damn, what a nice game. I've never played it myself, but I've, I've heard a lot about, like, what it brought to the table. And I can't believe that other, like, kart racers haven't tried to do the, um, moving from, like, flying to boats to the cars it's like just that kind of triathlon kind of thing that diddy Kong racing had going for it yeah uh, i wish more, more did that it's amazing yeah, sonic racing transform did that but uh whereas dkr had it in three separate modes uh racing transform just had you seamlessly transition from flight to uh boat to land vehicle and yeah you've seen recent mario kart do that too but yeah kind of but it's not hasn't committed exactly there, the there's idea. a different feel to diddy kong racing of just oh i can do this track in either the hovercraft or the plane and exactly. it has a different feel based on that great game great game yeah well, <laughs> who'd have thought like the 64 era of rare it's like just a gold mine of content what do you know i know and god i hope this game gets a re-release on the nintendo online service it's absolutely just, like if banjo can do it like for sure right yeah, it's been in such a limbo, because Rare actually owns most of the game. They published it. Like, they own a good 90% of it. They just don't own Crunch, Diddy Kong, and the name. Bit of a bit of a licensing nightmare there. Yes, but... and it hasn't been on sale since uh, the end of 2000, because 2001, Conker's Bad Fur Day came out. And they pulled that, and they pulled Diddy Kong Racing from shelves. And just that, that's all you're out. Yep. Don't want kids to go, oh, this Conquer guy has a game. He's so cute. What's it like? 
Oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. So Day Kong Racing only had about three years of life. And the fact that it's so good and so still remembered, th- that does my heart good and is just a testament to how nice of a game it is. That's going to be interesting seeing if it makes it onto like the Nintendo online service, because if they do that, they can't put Cro- Conquer on. But would they do that in the first place? I don't know. I don't <laughs> think they would. Conquer is such a mess of a game. They can remake it, but they can't change it because parody law has changed. So some of their movie parodies are too exact to the movie they're parodying that it would become copyright infringement if they made it again. Huh. But if they remake it exactly as it is with no changes, then they're just remaking old art and there's nothing that can be said. Yep. (laughs) Maybe they just add a specific side subscription for Conquer. Put like a parental lock on the Switch or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but glad to hear that game's as good as it, the reputation that surrounds it. Uh, it's always nice to see an N64 game like that age well. Not all of them are able to do that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, just that era in general, I have so much fondness for it, but it's a matter of... <sighs> I have fondness for it because, like, it was new, and it felt new and exciting, and I liked it. Oddly not Mario 64, but, like, almost everything else. Yeah, same. Mario 64, I, I've I've barely touched. Like, I've maybe, like, gotten five stars in the game total, just going over to friends' houses. I mean, I'd be in it, I enjoyed it, but I got Banjo first. And, like, Mario felt like such a step back from Banjo when I was five. Yeah, Mar- Mario, at least in that area, kind of felt like the vanilla flavor for platformers. And just everything else was doing, just going in all sorts of different directions. As a kid, did you ever have just like, these are the good games, and these are the games that I'll play when I'm bored, I guess? Yes. Mario 64 was in the latter category for me. So was Ocarina of Time. I was upset that Link couldn't jump. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I remember being weirded out on that too. Right? It's such a little thing, but I just felt like, what's wrong with this child's knees? Why can't he jump, except when I run him off a cliff? Yeah, they can specifically do it when you just Z-target and do a jump attack, but that's literally it. Like, you have the capabilities, but just, just no. My whole gaming sphere could have been so different if Ocarina of Time had even a bad jump button. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been doing? Uh, let's see. I have been playing Joy Mech Fight. Oh, uh, what 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 is that game? I, I haven't heard of well, it. Tell well, me, I, tell I, me I'm more. I'm sure you've never heard of it whatsoever, but it's a it's a fascinating game that was released on the NES, like two or three years into the SNES's life cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've heard that it, it was launched in the Famicom in 1993 of May. Yeah, this feels weird trying to like explain this to you. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's just a delightful little fighting game, which just all all of its fighters are robots with um disconnected limbs and heads, which as someone who's loved Rayman is just speaking it's it's very targeting towards my sensibilities and my preferences. Oh damn, how how many of those fighters are there? I I oh jeez. It's either thirty-two or thirty-six. I can't remember the factoid. It's a lot. Like an absurd amount. Yeah, thirty-six fighters? Wow. Yeah, and it's, 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 I have a hard time believing that this game is on the NES and not the SNES. 
Right. Like, looking at this and seeing that this is the same console that has, like, the first Mario game, the first Legend of Zelda game, just all these very simplistic games, and I haven't seen, like, multi-layered backgrounds with, like, lightning going on, and just, how does this game exist? Exactly. Genuine question. How does this exist? This and Kirby's Adventure came out in the same year, and both of those are just technical marvels. Yeah, outside of that, I, I just want to know, how far did you get in this game? Uh, how I, much have I you- have not gotten very far, uh, unfortunately. It's been hard to... Uh, small spoiler alert, this is regarding a video I am working on for Joy Mech Fight. I haven't been able to get much work done at all, just because life stuff has been very annoying. I have to move, gotta find a job. It's been very frustrating trying to find time for video games. I got the first, like, Mega Man set of bosses, basically. Nice, nice. Uh, gravitated towards, um... I, I don't know the names of any of the fighters, but the bug-looking one, the mantis-looking dude? Oh, yeah, uh, is that I? Uh, pfft. Is it the one with the one on eye? Claws. Yeah, I, pro- probably I. It, it's either that or the, like, Ninja Wolverine Claws one, who is uh, Suzaku, I think. Uh, you can uh, damage yourself to be, like, give yourself, like, an instant That's I. Counter. That's I. Yeah. Yes. Very fun. Love the design. It, it's so impressive, like, the all the characters are just... Like, basic Rayman setup, head, hands, legs, torso. But that allows you to be so creative with just, okay, what's the hands, what's the legs, what various body parts, what what theme does these characters have? And it's just amazing seeing, like, how different each and every fighter is. Yes. Yes, you're speaking to me. <laughs> like, just that level of variance. I Do you find it easy to do special moves in this game? Uh, a bit. Like, it, it, it's been a bit of a struggle to figure out what the special moves are because I'm playing a Japanese ROM, so I don't know, like, what it's trying to tell me to do. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, there, there is a translation patch, but... Oh, I'm sure. It's just this feels a little... I don't know. It feels like the vanilla experience. I wanted to do that for a bit first before, like, actually trying to figure things out. Okay, okay. That's fair. But yeah, I, I've been having an absolute delight. This, this game controls impeccably well for the right? NES. Like, there's... I haven't noticed any frame stuttering. I haven't noticed any, like, slowdown and be like, oh, I wasn't able to, like, input right here. No, this game feels really good. You would expect stiffness just both from the NES and from a fighting game. And this feels, I don't want to say modern in how it moves, but, like, you don't have the same weight that you do in other fighting games in Joy Mech Fight. And I really love that about it. It feels so comfortable to play. I'd be willing to bet that if this was released, like, I don't know, 10 years later, like, there'd be a decent esports scene around this game. It was just, you were talking about ahead of its time earlier. This game feels ridiculously ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. If if this wasn't stranded and had no cute anime girls to latch onto, <laughs> like, damn. It is a little... Like, there's also a lot of legal issues behind it, right? Like, um, because it was made by, um, I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but by two guys before they actually were hired by Nintendo. Uh, th- those legal issues have been resolved. Oh, they um, have? Yeah. Uh, the issue okay. was, uh, they wanted to add Sukupon to Melee, and he wasn't allowed in for adult matters, which was legal trouble, because when they tried to find the copyright, they literally forgot it. They did not know where it was. <laughs> And then by 2008, one of those guys found it in their desk drawer and gave it back to Nintendo. So that's why oh. Sukupon was able to be a sticker in Brawl. Well, there you go. So you're saying that we should expect Joy Mech Fight 2 at this June Nintendo Direct. That's what I'm hearing. 
Oh, don't give me hope. Because like, like, no, just, just to give people an idea of how much I'm enjoying this game, I desperately want a sequel to this. Just like expanding on this idea of just like independently using every single fighter's limb in like various creative ways. Like, oh, this guy, their turrets for this one, but their claws for this one, but their boosters for this one. Like, maybe, like, make it so you can mix and match and make your own fighters. Like, there is a lot of potential for this sort of gameplay style to grow. Oh, totally. I, I can see Custom Robo taking a lot of inspiration from this. Not that I played much Custom Robo, but, like, just the idea of that and the mix and match. Nintendo has so many fun robot games they never use. Right? Uh, I, I will say my my one caveat of things not to en- I'm not enjoying about this, uh, just the NES sound font in general. Like half the music is really great, but it, s- some of these sound effects really like those high notes, and yeah, I can't play this game with headphones. Oh, I love I love how annoying it is because Sukaba just goes bah! every time he rolls, and it's the worst sound, and I love it. Yeah, using I, I th- there's a kind of a similar sound with his um his double jump spinning attack thing. Oh, yep. And just spam that, just constantly yep. over and over and over again. Uh, tip for you, because you're an eye main. Do you know that your good punch, your heavy forward-facing punch, also hits overhead? Oh. Yeah, it's also an anti-air. It's broken. It's amazing how good just those moves feel just on such a simplistic... Because, like, that thing has impact with just how the spikes come forward and stab forward. I know. I really like this game. I really like it as well now. I was kind of considering it a meme while you were bringing it up through the Smash tier list, but no, there's 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 weight behind it. This game is genuinely really good. I I wish that Nintendo had pursued their fighting games because they had this, they had Killer Instinct. I mean, they gave up Killer Instinct, but it was legally owned by them for a time. Like they could have done so much in the realm of fighting games. Ah, there's always hope for something, something more. We will spearhead the movement to get Joy Mech Fight back. That is our that is our goal on YouTube now. <laughs> oh, thank God we have a mission finally. Alrighty, but yeah, yeah what you else like have you been it? Playing? I have been loving it. I like hearing that. That that that's good. When I saw it on the docket, I'm like, oh, oh, this is going to be a fun time. Yeah, fighting games generally don't do much for me, but this has got enough charm and enough ridiculousness, and I'm not feeling pressured to like beat an opponent that's been playing this game for years online. It's just fun. Yeah. We gotta play some matches sometime. Absolutely. Is there a lot? It's not on uh, Switch. Par- uh, Parsec would be a good Parsec. solution all for right, that. Alright, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm totally down. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, so there was a big game released uh, this month, and I decided, okay, I'm gonna have to get through, like, a sizable game to some extent, and I only got through about the first, I'd say, 15 hours, uh, the first week of in-game time in it. But uh, I played through Neo, The World Ends With You. How is this game? I've heard a lot of good things about the series, but never enough to, like, capture my attention. Uh, well, l- let me tell you uh, my, my history with The World Ends With You in general. I love the story of the first game. It's great. It's so... It's so 2008. Like, it gets being a teenager in that time. It's so devoted to the uh, Shibuya fashion scene. It has that sort of style that your Splatoons and your Jet Set radios have, cribbing off the same sort of fashion into power, into self-expression kind of thing. It's got an amazing soundtrack. Like, everything is a bop. It has a very, very unique gameplay style which mixes into its themes, where you have your main character who's on the touchscreen, 
and you're doing all these touchscreen attacks, and you have to pass a puck, essentially, to the character on the top screen who does button input attacks. And it's very much rallying between the two of them and doing a combo in between the two of them. The closest game that I can consider it to is uh, Indivisible, the uh, RPG made by the Skullgirls devs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I cannot stand the World Ends With You's gameplay. <laughs> I was about to say, like, that sounds way too complicated to handle. <laughs> it is, if you can handle it, I am sure that it is great. I cannot. There are versions on the Switch that take it out, because the Switch doesn't have two screens, same with the uh, iOS version, and it's missing something with that. It feels not generic, but kind of just dull without that system in it. That is unfortunate. Like, if you can't do the thing that's required to, like, fully enjoy the game, but if you take that away, the game isn't it's missing what makes it special. I, I know. And like the story's great. The presentation is great. It's it's in your face anime to the point of being cringe. But like it thrives off of that. It knows what it is. And it is all of that. Uh, Neo, the world ends with you. Is that but 2021? Oh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I can say that going both directions. Uh, it's. This is absolute junk food of a game. Like, this... You enjoy games for different reasons. Like, sometimes you want, Absolutely. like, a gourmet yeah. dinner, and sometimes you just want a shitty Domino's pizza. This is like, you're ordering Papa John's, but they have a very deluxe pizza that's, like, fancy and is in a beautiful box. Like, you have to open it. It's sealed. You come up. It's still Papa John's pizza. <laughs> you still taste the grime in there. But, like, you feel elevated with it. And that that's the sauce of Neo The World Ends With You. It is junk food. Uh, what they do instead for the gameplay is uh, they make it a team game where you have a team of up to four and each character is assigned a different button on your controller. And they do one attack for each encounter. And what you do is you do one attack until it reaches a certain point, like you knock them against a wall. Or you reach the end of your natural combo. Or if you're ice, you freeze them. And then you go to another button, and if you do it in time, you'll drop the beat, and you'll continue your combo and deal extra damage, and then build up to your eventual team limit break. Okay, so there's like a limit system, I mean, like a rhythm system to the combos? I like the yeah. sound of that. Okay, okay. It feels really, really nice. Now, obviously, your strategy is very linear because every time you're going to go, okay, I'm, I have my mash square character, then I'm going to combo into my triple hit triangle character, then I'm going to charge my uh, R1 character to drop a giant rock on them, and then I have my healer on my L1. And it's... It would be, it would overstay its welcome, but you get so many options for attacks. Like, you earn attacks through, uh, you get little pins that you equip to your character, and each pin has a different style of attack. Like, all of the square attacks are mash square, but one of them is rapid punches, one of them is fire, one of them is psychic shots, one of them is you throw giant darts... And when you get 10 darts in someone, they explode. Oh. And these level up, these evolve, these become better versions of themselves. Like, it's really interesting and fluid combat. It's 
it's not the deepest thing in the world, but like I shut my brain off for a little bit and it feels good. And there's enough variance that I don't feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over and over and over again like I did in Indivisible. I feel this constant uh, progression. And do I have my favorites with it? Yeah, but I feel the need to level up my pins and try different things out and get that completionist itch in me. And it feels really nice. Uh, soundtrack still slaps. It does the Tui thing where you can intentionally lower your level for a higher chance at better drops at any point, and that feels great. Love nice. having artificial challenge in that sense. Plot-wise is so weird, because this is a direct sequel to The World Ends With You. So I'm guessing The World did not end with you the first time. Not necessarily. That a <laughs> it's, it's really hard to say. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a riff on the first game while simultaneously being its own thing. But also your third party member was a boss from the first game and it's paying so much fan service. And also, I know it continues plot lines from the first game incredibly explicitly, but also the tone is so teenagers of this day. Like your best friend character's name is Fret, and I adore him. Imagine if Ryuji from Persona 5 were a hipster and, like, physically <laughs> could not get mad. Like, that sort of your bro, but take out Ryuji's anger and just, like, make him, like, an absolute fop of a character. That sounds amazing. It is impossible to get mad at this character. I love it every single time this man opens his mouth. It's very, very, very anime. Like, one of your characters talks almost exclusively in math puns, and like, if that grates on you, that's gonna grate on you. But then Fret goes, come on, Mr. Minami would be honest, he'd be like, yo, dude, you gotta do this because math, son! And I'm like, I love you, Fret, I love you so much. At one point, a character goes, damn, that's a living legend, and he goes, oh, a living legend, like Napoleon. <laughs> Napoleon's still alive, right? Is that part of the quote? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> That's amazing. That's his line immediately that. after. Um, there is a character who is a combination of Futaba and Toko Fukawa from Danganronpa, and that is catering exclusively to me. Just that sort of constantly down-on-their-self nerd character, but also with a superiority complex. And I'm like... Yeah, okay, yeah, no, those those are attributes that I specifically enjoy. Thank you. <laughs> and just like, God, this game is trash, but it's such good trash. It loves being trash, and I kind of just have a stupid smile on my face playing it. Again, I'm only a week in. It is starting to drop the plot, and the plot is legitimately interesting. But a lot of this, for me right now, is its camp, is its devotion to its time period. Like, your main character is addicted to social media and can't talk to anyone in the real world. He's just very dismissive and down on himself. But then you uh, get to text people, and he's, like, actually alive. He's like, yeah, lol, in a game, sad face. And then he'll send an emoji of, like, a sad Tonberry, because this is a oh, Sweenix game. <laughs> And, like, 
it gets that element so well. If you were ever in that sort of anime fan weeb headspace of like locked into yourself and locked into your interests and just kind of dismissive of the world around you, this is it captures that really, really well. And the first game did too, but this is a more modern flavor of that same through line. And I really like that. It's excellent, it's not excellent. a game for everyone, definitely not, but like if anything I've said sounds like your alley or your kind of trash, this game is worth picking up. I am I'm so torn listening to this if I want to play it. <laughs> Cuz like, like, that does sound like a kind of trash I would enjoy, but I think I would hate myself for enjoying it. <laughs> Nah, dude, you shut off your brain and then you really start loving it. And just, oh god, some of the vocal performances in this, like, you can tell they're clearly directed in, like, a sort of way where it feels disconnected, but it feels so right. Like, uh, like the, um, the nerd character, Nagi, is uh, simping really hard for the math character because he looks like the main character of her favorite gotcha game who she has devoted her life to. And just... She becomes a sobbing mess at one point, and you go, ah, Mr. Manami. And she goes, Mr. Miami. Just a total sobbing mess. And it's just, oh, it's, it's so good in that, like, oh, I hate that I like this sort of way. I, if, if it really embraces the campiness of it, like, I, I, I'd be down. I, I feel similarly about the, um, the movie Pacific Rim. Just like, if you can recognize what you're trying to do and just embrace it fullheartedly. Like, even oh, if it's yeah. trash, it's still a 10 out of 10 experience. Oh, totally. Like, this this knows what it is, and it's fine with it, and it loves it. And I'm I'm all for it. I love games that are brave enough to be what they are without that sort of, well, actually, I'm doing this. But this is just, nah, this is straightforward, and it still has heart in it. It's, it's, it's not ashamed of what it is, and I love it for it. Lovely. Uh, my other... Uh medium game experience i guess if we're just segmenting these in that way yeah uh, i'm still lost in like starcraft custom content i have fully dived down this rabbit hole and holy shit is it a deep rabbit hole uh, just a really nice story just like community i found that just kind of blew me away um there's a channel called giant grant games that literally does fundraisers to help modders make more custom content oh really which is i've never seen any game like community go that far with like supporting their custom content and it's so awesome to see like uh he did it um like a kind of a twitch plays like where the um chat can interact with his game in ways of just like okay we're gonna just dump a bunch of capital ships right on your main base that sort of deal randomize mm-hmm. all your units we made like ten thousand dollars just to pay modders to make more campaigns that's just oh, that's so cool that's awesome i wish more games did that that's so cool and on top of that th- there's just there's just so much cool stuff being made in these sorts of games. Like, what happened with Warcraft 3 is horrible, right? Just like Warcraft 3 Reforged literally killed the game. Uh, yeah, no, I'm still in mourning. Yeah, it's literally being remade in StarCraft 2. Uh, don't make me buy StarCraft 2. <laughs> you don't even have to buy it to use it. Like, it's it, The only thing you have to pay for in those games is the campaigns. I think they might have made those free as well. Like, th- this game went free to play ages ago. Oh, and you did experience it. that content, custom content just however you please. <sighs> oh, you're seducing me. But like you, you gotta watch it, and it's 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 literally just that they imported the models into the game. It runs 
it runs a little odd just because it's using the StarCraft 2 engine, but if you mess with the speed a bit, it's 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 just Warcraft 3. Oh, oh that oh, my heart just grew a size. <laughs> I I, I kind of wanted to keep talking about this because as I've been going through like more of both um I've been going like bouncing between both StarCraft 1 and StarCraft 2 just experiencing like what different people have made at different times of these games' life. Right. It's right. interesting to see like once you start getting into the stuff that's not as good, just seeing like where people kind of fumble with game design. Like there was one um amazing custom campaign mission with like a really gripping story that on the third mission starts sending like waves of air units at you after 30 minutes after just nothing at all of like having to defend against that on a path that you weren't expecting from and it's just Oh, yeah. In- it's interesting to see those little little failures because if this was like a a well designed map, you'd like send like one or two as like a preparation just to tell you like, oh hey, this is gonna start hitting you from this side as one. Well, you gotta prepare for that. But if you're not if well informed about custom content, then you're not gonna realize that and realize that oh that's kind of bullshit. Especially when you have a hero unit that you have to keep alive and you're kind of hiding them in that corner. Then you have to do the whole thirty minute mission over again. Damn. That sure does sound like a fire emblem that instantly spawns reinforcements. <laughs> it's just I love game design and custom content is like the best way to like see the see the evolution of it unfold as people get better, especially once you start following creators as they're like making new things. Oh, definitely, totally. Like I, I have more experience with uh, fan games and stuff, but stuff like I want to be the guy, where it feels like every unfair bit or every little bit of level design feels like a challenge or a communication between you and the developer. That's always such a special feeling that you only get from modded projects or smaller size projects like these. Exactly. Like things slip through the cracks all the time. Like <laughs> somebody made a randomizer of the campaigns. Okay. Which means, like, you have, like, various tiers of units, and if you just build one of those tiers, you're just getting something on that tier. Like, you might get a Marine, you might get a Zergling, you might get a Zealot, you might get something completely useless, you might get something stupidly broken. Mm-hmm. There's a mission on the in the game that retools one of the regular units into a boss, and apparently the designer of the campaign did not realize that it just changes that specific units in the game's files. So if you randomize into that unit, you just have this giant boss version and you can keep getting more of them. Oh, it just okay. Just the entire mission an, an absolute breeze. But you don't get stuff like that in well-made game, AAA games because those things are generally patched out and it makes the game feel so alive, so much purer. Like, it's, it's gritty, it's chaotic, and it's just wonderful to go through. Like, you're going on a journey with a designer and kind of noticing the flaws of it, and the flaws in of themselves kind of make the experience better. Mm-hmm. It's been, it's been a delightful time. I'm, I'm probably going to keep playing. I probably won't bring it to this again, but I'm, 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 I'm fully lost in this rabbit hole. It's wonderful. Nice. Nice. I, I'm glad. I'm glad to, that you're getting so much out of this, because, God, that's, that's what I felt in, like, the mid-2000s with Warcraft 3, and just hearing that is just... That's filling my heart with feelings I haven't felt in a while. <laughs> this feel you're feeling, I feel it too. Yeah, just the our real-time strategy is always going to be my favorite genre just because of this. Like a good RTS that has a good map editor that lets people create things, that game is immortal. I, I, I'm always going to be able to go and come back and revisit this. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Okay, so I have been... Let me tell you about my daily routine these okay. days. Okay, all right, hit me. Normally, I would just, like, wake up, get a, like, a cup of coffee or something to wake myself up for the day. Nowadays, I just jump into Elden Ring, 
and try to fight one of those bosses. And that game gets you more focused, it gets you more in the zone to like face the rest of your day than literally any other like morning routine I've tried in my life. It really makes you feel like Dark Souls. Uh, I have been absolutely loving this game. We talked last episode to like just seeing if like this game would hook me. It has hooked me hard. Nice. This is, uh, I feel com- comfortable saying that this is the best open world game I've ever played. Okay, that's nice. I, I don't play many open world games. I won't argue with that. Because uh, so, something that always fails me with open world games, like playing them in other areas, is they try to make a gripping narrative or a story around it, but it just doesn't work because of how you can approach things from every angle. It forces the story to be very loose, very... You can't have, like, a transition between the champion stories and Breath of the Wild, because you, you can do them in any order. That's too hard to... You might meet Sidon before you meet... I was going to say one of the other champion names, but I can't actually remember any of the other modern champions. Yeah. But, but you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. Yeah, yes, I do. Uh, Elden Ring uses Dark Souls lore and just kind of throws you into the center of a, a world and just says, okay, you can figure this out if you want to, but we don't really care if you do. And that works so much better for an open world because it literally just feels like you are creating your own story as you're going through this. The, the world just exists, and you're just in the middle of it, and you can interact with that and however much you, you wish to. Uh, too many good. other games ch- try to make you, like, the focus of the world, which doesn't really work, because having an individual be the focus of a giant world just kind of just doesn't mesh. But yeah, the world's here, it doesn't care about you. And it lets these, nice. the history of it just feel so much better. I love when the world is an uncaring parent you want to impress. <laughs> exactly, that's a great way of putting it. There was there was one experience I wanted to talk about in particular with this game. Please do. I have no experience with it, by the way. I have okay. My only experience is listening to every other podcast talk about this game. <laughs> it's almost like like this. This is gonna win Game of the Year without question. Oh yeah, it's almost like it's a big deal or something. Almost, yeah, yeah. But I, I want to introduce you to a a boss called the Tree Sentinel. I just sent you a a picture of it. Okay. It, it's basically the, um, you go through the little tutorial area, you step out onto the world, and there's just this boss riding around the green field, just being like, just taunting you, being like, okay, yeah, here's the, here's the first big Dark Souls boss. Are you going to try to beat this thing, or are you going to run and try to go somewhere else? This boss is absolutely brilliant, and I hate it with my entire soul. <laughs> I would. It has a horse. Horses are scary. It, yeah, it, and it's massive. It's like 10 feet tall on that thing. You enter into the overworld, and the first thing you see, you don't even see this boss, you hear it. Just like, it's heavily armored. Every single footfall of this horse just echoes around the area. You can't even get around it without hearing it gallop around just the entire time. So right. it's, it's constantly taunting, being like, oh, you can't even sneak past it without hearing it. Like, you know, come on, come on. This is a Dark Souls game. This is the first boss. You're going to be a coward and run away from the first boss. You can't do that. You got to fight the boss. And then you walk up to it. Dark Souls music starts playing, which is, all for, is just intimidating as hell. And the sound design of this guy swinging around that giant halberd, which, first of all, it's about 10 feet long, hits the ground, it's like shakes. Absolutely terrifying. And it just kills you in two hits. Because of course it does. Look at that thing. Uh, yeah. It's like the King Dark Knight, except it's also, like, in terms of, like, the Hyrule tier list, it's above Ganondorf. Like, if you saw this in a Zelda game, you'd be, you'd be terrified. Uh, yeah, a little bit. And, and so you start trying to fight it over and over again. The checkpoint's right there, so it's, like, nice being like, okay, you can just keep trying. Oh, good, And it feels good. impossible at first. 
But then you start recognizing little things about it. It's got a halberd. It's got a long reach. If you roll towards him, he's not going to hit you with it. It's a very heavy horse that can't really kick behind it. So I developed the strategy to roll towards the horse's ass, which works to dodge the most of the enemy's attacks. But then this thing's a Dark Souls boss, which means obviously it's got to have two phases. And once it gets to half health, it realizes that, oh, I've just been hitting this guy with this giant halberd, but I've got the fucking Mayan calendar in my other hand. Let's start using shield bashes. And these shield bashes, this is true, have a hitbox the size of Greece. <laughs> Damn. I can't dodge them. So I keep trying for hours against this boss. I think it was like five hours just solely trying. I actually have a way of measuring because there's a there's a small collectible next to the boss that I grab every single time, just a small berry bush. Mm-hmm. It's not exact because it would sometimes give one or two berries, but I had like 157 of them. Somewhere in that range, when I finally was able to take the guy down, just trying over and over again, slowly learning, slowly getting dodging things that you were originally not getting hit by. Mm-hmm. And I, I finally understand the allure of the Dark Souls games, because going through that grueling five-hour experience and finally getting him to that point where it was so good, because not only did I kill him, I staggered him before I killed him, so I even had a second to be like, I've got you! <laughs> I just finally give the killing blow. That felt amazing no game is like well probably this is also recency bias but like that that just pure elation of like climbing the mountaintop and sure that in the horizon there's so many higher mountains but like being able to just like bask in the glory of like yes i have learned the mechanics of this game and they feel amazing to master today this is my mountain I will get another one tomorrow and and just just as if the game was like i'm i'm sure this was intentional just just because Dark Souls developers are like this. But you get you get the guy's halberd as a drop. Mm-hmm. And it feels so good to see, like, oh, yes, this is amazing. The stat requirement to use the halberd is, like, 30 levels in the future. Good. Good. I, I, I respect it as well, too, but it was just, like, a nice little fuck you from the developers being like, oh, okay, yeah. But, like, it does make sense. No, I, I, I get it. it for that. I get it. And then, and then you start seeing other mounted bosses later in the game. And you can just destroy them because this guy taught you so much about like how these boss fights function. I love that feeling of it. Yeah, I, I, I have been, I have been absolutely loving this game. Just, just to ride a horse through an area and have a giant dragon just land in front of you out of nowhere, de- delve through mines and find a giant troll boss in a very heavily enclosed area, and I beat that thing first try despite how terrifying it was, and that felt amazing. My only problem is I think I have kind of soft locked myself. Oh, I went into a ruins and opened a chest, and the chest spits mist out of me and teleported me somewhere, which seems to be an area of the game that requires a significantly higher level, because now there's a bunch of fungus people with lightsabers and giant centipede wizards. Oh yeah, I've heard of this. fungus. Yeah. yeah. I, I think what it's trying to do is trying to, like, really encourage you to use multiplayer, but I, I don't like the multiplayer of these games. I really like the, the feeling of trying to solo things. I've been stuck here for hours. And I don't know how to get out. Well, I don't know. I guess you're going to have to turn on that multiplayer. And every time you walk up to Hot Doll Lady, they're going to say, wow, amazing chest. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of dreading it. But I'm also I'm, I'm still enjoying it because it feels good. Like I've, I fully got addicted to this cycle of like, OK, here's an insurmountable challenge. I will work to get over this. I I, I get it now. I, I I have I fully understand the the joys of the Dark Souls formula. Excellent to hear.
Okay, now we can talk about Kirby. Yes, let's talk about Kirby. Okay, first off, how much of the game have you been? I have 100%ed it. I have everything except Final Arena done and one treasure road. Uh, do you know what the boss is at the end of Final Arena? Just just out of my own curiosity. I do not, but I'm willing to have it spoiled for me here. Okay, uh, just, just so people know how we're going to segment this, we're going to do a non-spoiler section and then a spoiler section, which I will mark with timestamps, so don't you fret about that. Yep. All right, uh, so first off, you really like this game? I love this game. Oh I adore my this gosh. game. Oh, this game is so much better than I thought it was going to be. And I thought it was going right? to be great. Oh, God, I don't even know where to start. Like, so many games try to make the transition into 3D, and, like, they're successful to varying degrees. This feels like such a pure translation of the Kirby formula that I don't feel a need to have a 2D Kirby game in the future. Maybe that'll change as the years go by, but this is just, this is just Kirby, but better. I want to see more of this style, and, like, I say this as someone who, Superstar, my third favorite game of all time, Robobot, in my top 20. I need more of this, because what this is for a, I would say, draft 1.5, because they did have Blowout Blast, which was Kirby in 3D and clearly took a lot of mechanical tinkering and put it into this, but for a full game first uh, go-through, this is incredible. Just all the little considerations that they take, like the fact that uh, Glunk, the little uh, frog-headed amoeba thing, now yeah, shoots yeah, yeah. out in a spread shot to cover a larger 3D area. Every single enemy has a consideration like that, and it's so smart. They've adapted enemies to Kirby's in 3D so well. Poppy Brothers Jr. is so much more annoying than he ever was before. <laughs> I, I love how much of this roster of enemies has been reused from Kirby 64. Yes. Like, th th this game has just, this game loves Kirby 64. And it, it, it's made me so, 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 so happy to go through. Oh, totally. It loves 64. It loves Dreamland 3. The first mission of both games is uh, Raise Five Tulips. Mm -hmm. God, it loves Kirby. There's so many just little things I won't get too deep into. Um, I will admit, at the start, I was like, yeah, this is great. Oh, like that moment where you first walk into the ruined city and the music kicks in that was a my heart has oh, gone a yes. flutter moment like i know exactly what you're doing but i'm so happy right now <laughs> world 2 i was feeling okay this is starting to feel a little bowser's fury a little mario 3d world like i'm i'm still enjoying it but i'm seeing the sort of gamification of it and i'm like okay let's see where we're going World 3, oh my god, I and fell in love with World 3. And World 3 just comes in with a massive sledgehammer being like, nope, this is still amazing. Oh god, and it keeps going up from there. Abs World 4, absolutely. great. World 5, amazing. One of the best first levels to a world. World 6, oh my god, it does not stop. <laughs> the mechanics feel great. I love Kirby Witch Time. <laughs> this is interesting, because like I, I actually didn't use that at all I, I felt like kind of just felt like okay yeah this is gonna get me through so many boss fights let's not use that because i found that you can use the slide for kind of a similar effect to dodge attacks but it feels so much cooler to use i felt that until i started getting to later bosses and just timing that damage window felt so good yes but the thing is the slide works for the same thing oh i i agree it has, has that same kind of witch time effect I agree, but I also beat the fifth boss no damage on my first try, and I loved that boss, and I felt good, and I felt so gamer. 
it it does really. Uh, yeah, it's in trailers. It's in trailers. I love that. Um, just just the the slowdown, the roll, just kind of kind of teach you like, okay, yeah, this is when things get really harder. What really harder? Much harder. And you start have to use these evasive maneuvers. Mm-hmm. And just oh, it feels so good to do that. Yes. Uh, I think my one criticism of the game, one major one, is I wish there were a fast reset for bosses. Yeah, especially if they're going to be using the um the the waddle challenges of um oh don't do this without getting hit or do this certain thing blah blah blah. It, it does get a little. There were a few of them that felt a little obnoxious trying to grab. Yeah, yeah. the The sixth boss in specific took me a while just uh, to do damage less. I think I cheesed that one. That's entirely possible. But I was trying to do it thematically. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Well, my first playthroughs of those, like the 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 sixth and f- fourth boss, yeah, sixth and fourth boss, yes. I was straight up just like prolonging the fight just because I was the music. Oh of, god, yes. I, I'll, I'll gush more uh-huh. when we get to the spoiler section. But just, this entire game soundtrack, for that matter, I don't think there is a single bad song in this game. I am amazed at how much, and usually Kirby remixes so much of its own music. There are so many original tracks here, and it's great. It's mostly original tracks. Like the, there's a, there's a, there's a handful of remixes. Like one in particular, I'll get to later. But uh-huh. uh huh. Well, two actually. There was there was a, one level that I just read the name of the level, and I just dove straight in. He's like, "Oh, I need to hear this music," and I was so happy with what they had. Yeah, I I know it uses the same uh, lay motif of "Welcome to the New World" a lot. But I feel like there's a like there's one remix of that per world, and it's always a banger. I I love the um how the overworld will transition between different themes. Like it's completely seamless, just going through the different areas. Yes, it's it fun to just to fly around and just listen to the music shift. Oh, totally. God. It's a game that makes me happy to exist in its world. Yes, absolutely. And that's so so rare. Like, do I think that this is a game for everyone? Yes. Yes, I yes, do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> do I think it's a game that everyone will adore? No, but I think that if you think it's less than good, I'm a little confused. Yeah. Like, it might be one of those games, like, if you hear someone, like, heavy critique on it, I'm a- So there's some games like that where you start- the critique results in uh, devaluing the other person's opinions a little bit. Yeah. Like, a better way of putting it. Yeah. Because, like, this this game is, like, I think a few aspects of it are a little rough around the edges just because it is Kirby's first go-around with this sort of gameplay formula. Agreed. Like, I've been playing it co-op with my brother, and um, it was not designed with co-op in mind. Yes. Yes, clearly. Bandanity is on a very short leash. You cannot go very far from Kirby to go through levels. The camera is completely centered on Kirby, and sometimes you just get, like, if Kirby uses the wind power-up, you just, you just can't keep up. Oh yeah, just warp yeah. multiple times. Some puzzles can just be just be cheese, but like, okay, I'm supposed to have someone go hit that switch, but Ben, can you just kind of walk over there and stand on the switch? Okay, yeah, the puzzle solved. Yeah, but I'm 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 honestly fine with that. Like Kirk, multiplayer in Kirby's been a big thing for me since Return to Dreamland and just playing that with siblings. But it's still fun, even though it wasn't designed for it. And I think that's the most important thing. Right. Uh, would our arenas still fun with it? I uh, have not gotten to an arena just yet. Okay, because I, I feel like that would be the test of, are bosses still fun? Uh, I'll, I will say that bosses have been dropping a lot faster. Uh, there yeah, doesn't that, seem to that, be damage that is scaling. Yeah. But it's still a great game. Still fun to play through, so. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not terribly worried about that. Uh, mouthful mode. I really like it. 
Yeah. I'm glad that it is an ability that is new to Kirby and not something that he could have done for years. Yeah, just that little that little stretching in the the opening kind of like, oh, he's going through the vortex. Oh, what's happening? Yeah, and every him? little gotcha thing saying Kirby got a new power through this mysterious invention. Now he can stick a hole, whatever in his mouth. I'm, I'm surprised by how well they all land. I don't think there's a single one that I outright dislike using, except stairs takes a little tedious just to get around sometimes. Oh, yeah, but that, I love all... the stair treasure road. That, that one for us, I mean, because it took me a second to realize that they spit in the direction you're facing. Oh, yeah, but <laughs> like... I felt so stupid realizing that, but... Oh, it took me a while to get the target time on that, but I did, and I was so happy. It felt so good. Nice. Do you get anything for all the target times? I only have one left. No, I'm 100%ed. I... I... I there, there's no... Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> it, it's just... It's just... It's just coins. But hey, the coins have uses now. You're correct. Like, like, there's an actual economy to this game. Yeah. And, like, I didn't think it would be that steep, but by the end of it, I was glad that I was playing on wild mode and got extra coins every stage. Right? Oh, something else about mouth mode that playing that co-op is hilarious, can, because Bandana D will always do something just to go along with the mouthful mode. Okay. Like, he's either, like, he can be, like, perched on top of the stairs and just throwing spears like a turret just to <laughs> wipe out everything in front of you. Oh, that's great. Uh, for the pipe, he'll just panically try to balance on it as he's as, as it's going around. Oh, it's so cute. There's a lot of great things. Just seeing how Bandana D interacts with the environment. In a lot of areas, he can't do anything, like with the, um, in the third world, the, uh, the rides. He's just, he's just riding. He's just riding the ride, yeah. I I love what this game is doing for Bandana D. Like he, if it wasn't before, like he he's just he's just a solid member of the Kirby cast now. Oh, totally. He is he is Kirby's Diddy Kong. He is Kirby's Tails now. Absolutely. But yeah, um, I think this this is my third favorite Kirby game, and it could be my second favorite. I'm I'm feeling that as well. Like it's. It's hard, but, uh, like, my, my nostalgia for 64 is almost impenetrable, mm-hmm. and I, I I love a lot of other games, but, like, this is this is the best transition from 2D to 3D I've ever seen. I, I, I think I can make that claim. I am struggling to think of a better one, because better than Mario 64? Yes. Better than yes. Ocarina of Time? Yes. Better than Donkey Kong 64? <laughs> <laughs> Better than Sonic Adventure. Easily. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, no. It's, it's, it's just, it makes me excited just to see what comes next. Because, like, if this is just their first foray into this idea, what are they going to be able to do moving forward? I always think, if this is the triple deluxe, what does the Robobot version of this look like? What does the improved sequel? I might even say, like, this is the, in terms of just, like, this going gameplay formula what if this is just the return to dreamland and it just keeps getting built upon in so many different directions oh shit oh damn oh i am hot under the collar in that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh i love this game you want to talk about spoilers now so we can just gush absolutely because like okay spoiler warning here go to timestamps if you haven't beaten the game because i'm going to be talking about literally everything okay so i'll give you three seconds Two, one. King Dedede. Dedede is amazing. <laughs> oh, I love him so much. Oh, I, I Dedede's always been one of my favorite characters. Even before this game, he's been characterized so well. 
This game puts every other incarnation of him just to absolute shame. He is perfect in this oh, game. I wouldn't say it puts him to shame because I love interpretations of him. Oh, I oh yeah, for, that, that was a little harsh, but like, it, it's just it's just above and beyond. Yeah, yeah, he's incredible. Oh. Okay, when, okay so, but th- that theme, though. Roar of DDD. Roar of DDD was, I, I remember when you sent me a little teaser of his theme, and I was kind of disappointed because like, oh, I kind of wanted this to sound more tribal with his theme. I am not disappointed by that anymore. Uh, Holy yeah. shit. The, how how heavy the drums and like, how much slower it is. Like, the fact that he's chanting along with his own theme song. Oh, my God. And just the way that that boss fight puts over the strength of DDD and how it translates his moveset into 3D. I will admit, as a little coward, I almost died the first time I fought DDD. <laughs> almost. Because I was just like, oh, he tackled me! It's so good! He is so much trickier in a 3D plane. I love that his tackle can actually catch you if you try to jump to the side. Yes. You get halfway through the battle, he drops his hammer, which you can actually swallow the hammer. I love that little touch. Oh, same. You can do that. And it just picks up a giant pillar, slams it in the stage, half the stage blows up. Oh my god, I love it. And depending on how you time it, that can happen right along the time. The time that the chanting really starts getting going, and it feels so good the entire time. I know. This game does every little detail so perfectly. I love that DDD is so used to bre- being brainwashed that they have to double brainwash him. <laughs> and put the mask on because he's getting rid of the first brainwashing. But oh my god, when Forgo DDD happens and it ramps up and he goes full primal... Like, that was disturbing. DD on all fours. Just, oh, good grief. I know, but he's so fast. It's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the mass DDD theme got, kicks in there. And it's just, it's, it's, it, like, it's genuinely terrifying. <laughs> I know. And then his characterization right after. Oh, man, that, that moment when he, like, the Wildies are walking up to him, he just sees Kirby, and he just smiles. There's, there's no enmity there anymore. Nothing of the sort. Like, he's not. He's not aggressively, like, smacking Kirby around or anything. He's just happy to see his little buddy. It warmed my heart so much. And that he just immediately goes to check on the Waddle Dees, and they, after he's captured them, they go to him, and he's so happy, and he's just making sure they're okay. That that moment of just, they're trying to get away, the, the Waddle Dee trips, he goes back for it. Just the whole moment with the music, he's just looking up, and he realizes it, and he just throws the Waddle Dee to safety, he's sacrificing himself. I love DDD so much. Oh my god. And he doesn't just do that. He picks up the Waldy and he makes sure it's okay first. Like, he takes the time. (laughs) It's not just like, yeet! He takes the time and he makes the moment. And the fact that Kirby is trying to force the door open for him. Absolutely. And just how depressed the Waldys look afterwards when he didn't make it in. Mm -hmm. And then you go back to the town and he's still lounging about like the selfish bastard he is. Like, He's not a different character, it's just that he's grown so much more. I know. And you, can, and you can understand why the Waddledees love him so much. I love him so much! The fact that his spokesperson is the same Waddledee that he threw to safety, just, oh, my heart melted! <laughs> I know. Uh, let's see, o- other moments I really loved. Um, Every roller coaster was just a joy. Yes! Little detail that uh, wasn't in the demo. You know when you uh, knock down the bridge as Car Kirby in the first level? Yeah. In the demo, that just transitions directly into Waddle D Town. So when the radio happened, that wasn't in the oh, demo. Oh, nice. So when that happened and it started an anime opening where Kirby is looking at ducks and is happy, like I almost cried on that. That was 
Oh, oh, that got me in my heart. Yeah, just heart. heart. I think my heart must have you know, the whole meme of heart growing three times. My heart grew like twenty times throughout this entire game. Oh gosh. Also, the music is that anime opening music is just a straight banger. Yeah, of course I can say that about every song in the same. Dude, when I saw the uh, name of the level power plant, I almost lost my mind. Just being like, going into that knowing exactly what I'm about to experience and realizing that it's even better than I could possibly imagine. Like, that is just a modern take of the power plant level from 64. Yep. And you start hearing the music, it's like, oh, it's not quite the same thing, but they're, okay, they're kind of doing a remix of, like, other versions of the but then the actual theme from 64 kicks in, and it's the best feeling in the yes. world. Yes. Oh, speaking of just metal uh, level names, just the wastes where life began. Yes. When I saw that, I'm like, okay, Kirby, shit. And then it's a <laughs> massive, massive room, just like a huge expanse that's just filled with all these mini challenges, and it's so good. Right? Oh, the fact that you can use Ranger on that, and it seems specifically designed to that, just to snipe everything around the map, it feels so good. Oh, Ranger. Ranger's one of my favorite abilities now. Absolutely. Could not work in 2D at all, but it is incredible for this. I love its upgrade. Noble Ranger is maybe my favorite Kirby hat. I want a plush. <laughs> <laughs> I was just expecting, like, okay, he's going to fire just two shots with it, but we just rapid fires like crazy. Yes. Full on fans of the hammer. Oh, I feel so good. And the file upgrade, which I don't like the hat as much, but the fact that I can just make Buzz Lightyear jokes I with Space Ranger. I Samus's Samus' helmet, but I understand why it wasn't that. I agree, but I like like the classic pop 60s Spaceman look yeah, that it has. Yeah. And then when you get it fully charged and it just deletes literally anything in a massive area. Yes. Oh, you want to talk about great feeling power-ups, though? How did they make Time Crash so good? I know. Oh, my God. I didn't think anything of just the idea of upgrading Crash. I'm like, how you do that? It's, it's Crash. It's, it's a screen It just nuke. blitz everything. But no, you do it by making it so you can keep chaining it. And I love that it was so hard to find. Yes, Because yes. I totally missed it, and I had to go to WiseWall D. And I'm like, I missed something? And then just looking out for it that entire level, and then finally noticing, like, oh, that's hidden. That and um and deep sleep as yeah. well. I I really like the the super powered abilities. Like you really have to work for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they're willing to put that work in. And there's a lot of like extra bonuses around as well that you that you really need to keep your eye open for. Like the uh, the howl rooms. Oh yeah, I found. I was, I was shocked by how well those were hidden. I found one secret room. I have not found the howl room yet. Yeah, I, 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 if, if I didn't hadn't seen it, like, looked up and, like, noticed, like, the general environment, I would never would have found that. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, Silly Doo may be one of my favorite bosses. I love him. I love that he's just a weird trash goblin, and then he makes his own wife out of trash, and then he hits you with his <laughs> wife by swing dancing with her because he loves the idea and he's so lonely. Like, God, what a character and a half just from the trait of he makes junk versions of things he wants. All, all of the all of the bosses. I, I, I love that Kirby's continuing the thing of you beat the bosses and then later you get you become friends with them. Yes. You see those little those little pictures at the end. You got Silly Dude dancing with his thing and then Kirby's dancing with with Bandana D. Yes. Except Tropic Woods. Tropic Woods is no one's friend. Yeah, tro Tropic Woods is just kind of... I like his soul patch. I really like I do. the whole I, soul patch. I like the boss. I do. I think it's super fun translation of Wispy to 3D. Shall we talk about the final level? 
Oh my goodness. Lab discoverer. Here we are. Oh my god. Oh my god. Shut up. Oh. The moments that that, like, I was not expecting voice acting in Kirby. I know. Or at that, least that, not like that language voice heavy acting. Loop. Yeah. And I, it's, it's good voice acting. Like, I know. Yeah. Well, in what world does Kirby have better voice acting than Zelda? In Bre- like just Breath of the Wild in general. Just wh- what? Uh, huh? <laughs> Link, are you ready to meet the ultimate life form? <laughs> he was sealed away in the eternal capsule, Link. <laughs> but no, it's well done. Just, it the feels... thematics of that is so creepy. Just being like, oh yeah, this just this creature's been used like a theme park ride in that way. Yeah, it feels so wrong in like every way. Just the implication, the fact that it's in Kirby, and I... Ugh. At first, I yep. thought nothing of Liangar, but, like, I get his purpose, and I like I like him by the end of the secret ending. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I felt nothing with him as well. It's like, oh, yeah, there's Beast King, the lion, okay. Boss fight's pretty fun. I, I yeah. enjoy the fight. But then you get to them later. That boss fight is insane. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have never felt more overwhelmed by Phase 2. It's just... Just seeing how much suffering he goes through almost, like, is enough to, like, get you starting to care about his character. I was with him the moment he started bobbing his head to the Kirby dance and then started dancing along by the final note. (laughs) I'm like, you get it. You get it. And then, I I know it's a joke just to, like, Kirby bosses are eldritch horrors. What the fuck was that? Uh, that was the movie Akira. Just good grief. I, I was kind of expecting something, but the whole just blob mess of all the other animals was, yeah. It, I, this was this was like four in the morning for me because I I kind of I kind of ran into a fugue state with this game. I just played through the entire thing. I get you. So I was sleep deprived when I saw that, and it just made the moment all the more better. The fact oh. that the boss fight's also an escape sequence is brilliant. Oh, I know. I don't think it's particularly fun to fight, but I think it's a set piece. But the thematics alone. Yeah. The, the, the fact that his, it's got his main head that's still there and he's kind of like awkwardly turning as he's moving like a doll. It's just, ugh. Yeah. Horrifying and I love it. And then you get to the boss fight after that. Oh my god. Yes. I, I, I will say I'm a little salty because I, I, I got I got gypped so hard. I saw the silhouette of the wings and I almost died because I thought I was finally getting the zero three 3 fight I've been waiting for for so long. <laughs> but no, but I, I'm, I'm fine with that because the boss fight's still incredible. Oh, it's so, so good and oh my god, the way that it keeps building upon itself. I can't describe just how good it feels to have as many movement options that you do in Kirby and still feel overwhelmed by just the amount of stuff on screen. Just just, just wait until you get to that final boss, man. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I understand the nasty. idea of it. Like, this is the idea of this and then the post-game bosses and me going, oh, wow, these are all individually tough. When I get to the final arena, oh, shit. How am I going to do that? I love having that feeling. So you've been in, like, the secret area completely, right? So you know yes. the, the, yes. the final, final boss of that area? Yes. That sword does make it significantly easier. I figured. I, I kind of cheesed it with that. I completely figured the final sword upgrade because I did the full charge once and I realized, oh, shit, this is probably insanely good, huh? Oh, you, you don't even realize. Like, it, it's, it's more from that. Like, this is the spoiler area. I loved just that moment of like, okay, we're getting the final soul battle, and then you just see the butterfly. Like, Yo, in. butterfly! This moment of, oh shit! <laughs> oh, it's this fucker. The fact that he is called the Dream Eater now. 
Yeah. And that Kirby lives in dreamland is just, oh. Mm. You probably haven't realized this about the sword yet. It has lifesteal. Shit, dude. No, I've only fought Mr. Sandbag. Yeah, no, the, it has lifesteal, so it makes... If you combine that with the the health items you can get, you can... I was able to beat the true arena, no problem. I feel bad about it. I need to go back with, like, an honest playthrough. Yeah. Like, if you just want to see that boss, like, that's how you do it. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad that that exists, because I'm sure it wasn't easy, easy. Like, I'm sure it wasn't playing Oh, no, playing I, I, I almost died still. I love there being different tiers of how easy the final arena is. Love that in uh, Star Allies Ultimate Choice Soul Melter EX. Yeah. And, uh... Love it here. Uh, I love that uh, the final boss theme is called Two Planets Approaching the Roche Limit. Yeah. Oh, my God. And good grief, the theme. Like, they got the <laughs> halfway through. There's like, hey, um, Xenoblade Singer, just come in here for a second real quick and record some things for us. And it's <laughs> phenomenal. Right? And oh, my God, the, the stakes that it raises to, like, Kirby's had universal destroying mistakes, but using the entirety of Popstar as a projectile... And then homaging Transformers. <laughs> I loved that so much. Like, that that was like five in the morning. Like, I was just sleep deprived. On, oh, on my reason. God. I and you have all these other Kirby games with, like, final world, any attacks that are, like, super anime, just, like, power of friendship, all things. And now it's just truck. Oh, guys. You got the touch. You got the power. Oh, Robobot is an all-timer for me, because that is simultaneously over-the-top epic and a Gurren Lagan reference. And the fact that Kirby is going balls deep with, okay, yeah, let's do Transformers, let's do Akira, let's just mix in everything, let's mix in all the horrors <laughs> of the world, and Kirby is good enough to overcome it, like, I've seen people maybe go, this is a little overdramatic, I can't disagree more. Are you kidding? I feel like you Kirby can put- Kirby thrives in this. You can put- anything in front of Kirby and he can take it down. The important thing is that Kirby himself remains consistent and a good boy. And he does. And Kirby is completely untainted and he is perfect. And because of that, his potential is still infinite. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. I, I love that little like anime standoff moment. When you've got, when you've got the, I think its name is Elphilus, the, uh, the buddy, uh, Elphilin. Well, Elphalin is the buddy, but Elphalus is the boss. Ah, uh, gosh, what, what, what is so, it? It's, it's something like that. But you have that standoff of it just, like, throwing meteors at it, and, like, and it, it's it got that whole anime of, like, powers going against each other, but on one hand, it's just meteors and super dark power. On the other hand, it's just truck! Oh, it's my so God. Amazing! That moment where you're dome mouth and are trying to free Elphalin from its base, and it's summoning a spear to get you off? Like, that was real fear. I felt like, oh, shit, 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 shit. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil the the final bit of it, but I, I had a, I had a moment with um the final version of Elphilus, mm -hmm. where it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna kill you. I, I don't need the sword anymore. I'm just gonna spit the sword at him to finish him off. Uh, the 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 fight doesn't end there. Ah, and it's just <laughs> no. I figured I that would be a mistake. Ah, uh, but that that final. You you need next episode. You need to actually just message me on Discord when, as soon as you get to that thing because. There is a moment of abject horror when you get to the, the, the final, final thing. Oh, will do. Will do. Sorry, I tried oh. to beat as much of the game as I could with the time I had, but... Oh, no, no worries. The, the phantom bosses are individually all extremely difficult, so it's hard to, like, fight them one after another. And Yeah. If I, did, if I didn't have more of a knight's sword, I wouldn't be like... Speaking of, like, the high-tier abilities, like, 
I am impressed by how great they made everything feel. I agree, except for Ice. Except for, yeah, I'd agree with Ice. Wind wasn't getting me at first until it got to the final upgrade. Then I really started to feel, okay, yeah, this feels great. Yeah, no, Tornado. Oh, I always love Tornado because it's just such good movement. I never felt that it felt at home in 2D. It feels immaculate here. My, my thing with it was that I never felt good to fight bosses with. But once you start getting the real movement with the tornado and realize that, okay, if you pick up the stars, you can throw them all at once for insane damage. If you consider it an extension of regular Kirby, as opposed yes. to just ram them. Same thing with Needle, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, oh, I love Clutter Needle. I love that they oh, put that yeah. in the game so much. Yeah. I wish Crystal Needle was blue. It should be blue. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's just a small thing, but I, my heart grew another size when I saw the homing bomb and realized it was just Susie's helmet. Oh, yeah. That made me really happy. Yeah. Uh, they're, just, they're just all so good. Speaking of another little thing, uh, do you, did you notice with uh, the Waddle D band, the, the Deadly Ds, they start playing their instruments when the instrument kicks in with uh, the theme. No. Yeah. It's super notable on Roar of Deedity where uh, the guitar doesn't kick in until the Waddle D starts playing it. The small things, the small considerations, it's just a, no a whole other level, even compared to, like, other AAA Nintendo games. I know. They they improved Diner Dash? <laughs> like, just the fact that there are two round objects, and each Wild D is like, okay, I want something, it's on a plate, makes it so much more stressful. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting Meta Knight, it's just a super, which, first of all, banger theme. I love yeah. Meta Knight's boss battle. Yes. But um, if you you can sword clash with him and knock Galaxia away, if you swallow Galaxia, he'll pull out his old sword. Oh, oh my god! I have to do that. I have to fucking. It's do so that. good. I have to fucking do it. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's just it just it. Oh my god! Ah, oh. I love this video game. I love this video game too. Do you think it's gonna get post launch support? I'm kind of curious based off of the um the post office Waddle Dee if how much they're going to do. Mm -hmm. They kind of like, oh, you can get some stuff from online, which I'm wondering, like, is there is the game going to continue? I I don't think there's much for it to continue with. It it feels fairly you know complete in a way that Star Allies did not. Yeah, and like if Nintendo's going to give post support to a game, I would like it to be Mario Party Superstars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could have both. I'm just saying, but one of them really needs it. Yes, and the other one is true. like this is true. I like I could leave this game right where I am right now and be fully, fully satisfied, and I could come back to it year after year and enjoy it. Absolutely, I, I'm just greedy at this point. I'm enjoying it so much. I just want more. <laughs> no, I I'm good. Give me, don't give me new thing plus. Give me new thing two. True, true, true. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. This is a good DDD game. I'm thrilled to know what the Meta Knight version of this is. Because, like, Triple Deluxe was a DDD game and Robobot was a Meta Knight game. I want to see what their take on that is now. Like, oh my I'd, god. I'd like to throw something out here, actually. I've been kind of me meaning to make at least a quick concept on this. Mm -hmm. I think we need a Bandana D game. I think that would be, like, the last step to really make him feel like a core member of the cast. Because, like, he's never been possessed. He's never had that, like, super intense boss battle against him. He needs a theme song. I'd yeah. really like to have, like, a, I, I don't know, give him, like, a like a Japanese theme to give him, like, a huge Naganada and samurai armor or something like that when he's possessed. <laughs> yeah, I'd like that. I feel like it's due at this point. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can't wait to see what game comes after this one.
th- this has reunited a love of Kirby that I thought that I thought was already there. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, no, it's so much stronger now. Oh God, God, I love Kirby. Yeah, like I, it's it's always been like a comfort food, but now it's just straight up. Okay, this is a top tier franchise in Nintendo's roster. Yes, like, don't even don't even question. Yes, I think I have with this. I probably have more games of it. It's probably the highest rated series that I have in like my top hundred. It's just of average. Oh, for yeah, same, same. It's 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 just quality. It's Kirby's just great. Yes. And this is like a legendary one for the series. For sure. Like this for is sure. not one that I think is going to get the Odyssey treatment of well, in retrospect, it's not that No, I think these feelings are going to carry. Unless the sequel just one-ups it in every way. Oh, yeah. But if that happens, then I just have an even better Kirby game. <laughs> well, I mean, if that happens, it's a return to Dreamland situation where everyone still loves it even though it's outclassed. Yeah. It's like, eh. Just well done, How Laboratories. You, you knocked it out of the park. God, thank you for everything you've done, Kumazaki and your team. Oh, my God. You've, you've taken what was a decent, fledgling series in the mid-2000s and made it something truly incredible. Indeed. Amen. Okay, I, I, I feel like I could just keep gushing about various things. Yeah. Is, yeah. is there anything in particular you want to talk about? or uh, The ducks. I love the, the ducks. ducks. Yes. That made me so happy. I was like, like, every time I replay that stage, I still go, no, I'm getting the ducks. I started just humming the, um, the Bremen Mask song from, I think that's the name of it, from Majora's Mask as they're falling around. Just the do, 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 do. I love how silly some of those like bonus objectives is. Like some of them are hard to find, but then there's just like, oh, just enjoy the view from the top of the rocket. Yes. That one stumped me for a while because like, where's the rocket? Where the hell is the rocket? Where the hell is the rocket? <laughs> Always skipping over the very start. And I went, oh, shit. God, I'm stupid. <laughs> right. Oh, it's so good. It's such, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Oh, God, this is going to beat Elden Ring for us, isn't it? Oh, personally, absolutely. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't think Elden Ring can do anything to make me this happy. I, I think as a, like, in the terms of, like, triple A stuff, that Elden Ring's more impressive. Yeah. But Kirby makes me happy. Yeah. And based on what the series has been, this is just a whole nother level. Yep. <sighs> I, I really hope this is just the start of the golden age of Kirby. This, this is the... We've been in the golden age of Kirby. I mean, yes, but now we're getting, like, platinum. There's never been a platinum age. Kirby's gonna... <laughs> things right. Kirby has no limits. His power is maximum. In D. They could contain the arena. They made it the arena, the ultimate challenge Z. <laughs> I am, I am happy now. I too am happy. So now that that's settled, I suppose it's time to use. Future sight. Alrighty, so um, you have any games for April you're looking forward to coming out? Uh, for April specifically, uh, I think when we're recording this, Lego Star Wars is coming out literally tomorrow. Yep. I've, I've been seeing trailers for that game, and it's it's peak Lego humor. Like, you get someone telling a droid to punch it, and a, and a boxing level shoot out of the droid and punch a ship to make it go forward. It's just, oh, I love it. That is another heavy childhood nostalgia game that makes me absolutely delighted. Yes. Uh, any for you? Uh, for no, that was it. Like, I wasn't planning on picking up, but then I had a conversation with uh, an old co-worker about it, and he's like, so are you excited for LEGO Star Wars? And I went, yes! 
Yes, actually, I am. It's hard to mess up a Lego game. Yeah. They can be a bit bland and samey. Yes. But there's a charm there. Alrighty, uh, I do have a couple of news stories for us over the past month to plug in uh, here. Alrighty. Uh, first off, uh, just to start us off on our Kirby train, uh, Kirby has won a Grammy. He did? What? Yes. Best arrangement, instrumental or acapella winner, Meta Knight's Revenge. That's... <laughs> yes. This is by... Oh, it's the Platinum Age. Yep, by Charlie Rosen and Jake Silverman. Okay, yeah, that, that, I, I didn't know that, and I'm, the world is better now that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else I got. Uh, Until Dawn, spiritual successor announced. Uh, are you familiar with Until Dawn? I'm, I'm familiar with Until Dawn. That was a fascinating game. I never played it, but I loved watching other people play it. I really enjoyed it until the part where it said I was shaking when I was very clearly not. <laughs> But yeah, uh, made up of Hollywood actors, including Ariel Winter, David Arquette, and Justice Smith. Very nice. So this is going to be their next real uh, big-budget Hollywood push for that sort of thing. I hope that does well. It's yep. a good game, and I felt like they're... I can't remember what the game they made after it was called, but it didn't... Uh, Man of Medan. Yeah, that. Yeah. It's Ooh, called it's uh, The Quarry. The Quarry? Okay. The Quarry. Perfect Dark in a little bit of trouble. Insiders describe fast and furious exits from Xbox's Perfect Dark Studio. Yeah, that's that is always unfortunate. It's have they given a reason for it? Because that's usually a red flag that something is very wrong. Uh, they brought in another company. Um, this was originally the initiative, and they brought in. Uh, let me see, Crystal Dynamics to co-develop. Okay. Okay. So, but no, it's a director, design director, level designer, uh, world builder, and system designers have left the project. Wow. Which is a shame, because if something deserves a good game, it is Perfect Dark. On one one hand, I wish I'm the best, but that also just, like, removing the skeleton from half of the game. Yeah. (sighs) I hope for the best. I really, I've loved seeing what other people have done with Rare's properties. Killer Instinct and Battletoads have both been fantastic. And honestly, another studio handling Banjo probably gives me more hope. (laughs) Yeah. Not not that I don't trust Rare, but like, they've got a good thing going with Sea of Thieves, and I want them to take their time on Everwild, so. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Let's see, uh... Persona 5 Arena being teased in a recent Atlas survey. Yes, please. Like, I know it's kind of obvious, but I'd really like to have that confirmation. Well, yeah, but it's been, it was obvious like five years ago, and now it's five years later. But like, they're actually asking, would you be interested in seeing more Persona fighting game content specifically? And then obviously Ultimax is a test the waters moment the same way that Golden was with uh, the Steam release. I'm hoping that's them deciding whether to make it multi-platform and not them deciding, okay, let's finally make the game. That yeah. Would, that would feel a bit foolish after how much Persona 5 just exploded. Mm-hmm. I desperately want to see aged up Persona 4 characters. Yes, that'd be nice. Yes. Just seeing where they are now. Yes. Or just now, Toe. It makes sense. <laughs> you could throw in Risei there. If you throw in Kanji, I will cry. <laughs> I've never found a grappler I love more than Kanji. And also, he's Kanji. That's why it's, that's why it's taking so long. They're trying to get every single from 3A, 4A, and 5 in there. Uh, A4 
Activision Blizzard is facing a new sexual harassment and discrimination lawsuit. Ugh. I don't need to say any more details, but you, just know that don't. it is brand spanking new in addition to everything else. So I, I just want I just want to look no at the words. clock and say, yep, still can't talk about Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Testament has been added to Guilty Gear Strive. This is a legacy character, and uh, they are, to my knowledge, the first character who has been confirmed uh, non-binary in a fighting game. Sick design. Oh, incredible design. Love them. I, I do think there was a Tekken character. I, Leo, I think their name was. Oh, that... I, 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 I don't remember if it was a gender confusion thing with Leo, but... I believe her, I've really seen Harada say Leo is Leo. Okay. And that's... That, that, that could be the case. But still, it's... Testament's just sick. Yes. But, like, they updated their pronouns and they look incredible. Oh my god, that design. I have a weak spot for Sibes. Yep. Uh, One Piece Odyssey announced. This is a what appears to be a One Piece RPG written by Oda, uh, One Piece's mangaka. Interesting. Yeah, it just... No. I'll, I'll throw you the trailer. It just looks very, very Dragon Quest XI in its presentation. And I'm just really excited to see more anime games get this treatment of taking the story seriously as opposed to being a recap of anime arcs. Yeah, because the recaps are almost always just slightly worse, I found. that That's how I learned all of Dragon Ball Z except the Boo Saga. <laughs> Still loved Cell. Did not like Frieza until years later. <laughs> Never been into One Piece, but it's awesome that they're getting a game of this quality. You should get into One Piece. It's real I good. I will consider it. There are a lot of things I need to get into. Uh, just read the manga and consider, like, each arc a different book. Like, in the same way you would take a full book series, as opposed to, oh yeah, One Piece, it has over a thousand chapters. Alright, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that daunting thing is the most that I see keeping people away. But, like, the first arc, like, first couple arcs, each chapter, each one is only, like, 20 chapters long, at most. So it's... It eases you in really nicely, and it's right. it's worth the journey. Like, it does some things that only a manga that has been running for 15 plus years can possibly even attempt to accomplish. All right, then. Nice. Let's see. Uh, Chocobo GP has aggressive microtransactions for a full price game. I see you have written here expirable ebooks. Like, just. Oh, yeah. Having, having microtransactions is bad enough. But expiring ones? Oh yeah, if you don't get your money in to buy Cloud and or Squall in this thing, by the next time the next cup rolls over, those are gone. I... So you <sighs> better get enough money in or play enough of game to buy Squall and Cloud now. Yeah, hate that. Yeah. Which is a shame, because it looks like a fun game. Vivi's playable. Terra's playable. Which should be just an instant win. But why why you gotta why you gotta shoot yourself in the foot like that? Yeah. It's aggressively bad. Let's see what else I got. Uh Breath of the Wild 2 delayed to spring 2023. I am shocked. So, so shocked. Aren't you? The game yes. that doesn't have a title yet was delayed? Anytime you see a targeted release date, you should just assume a delay. Mm-hmm. Like just straight up. Honestly, like I, I, I've never been upset about delays. Like delays always mean a better game. Yeah, 
as Miyamoto famously said, stop misquoting me. <laughs> Duke Nukem Forever was delayed, and Sonic 3 was rushed. What are you gonna do? I mean, yep. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair point, fair point. Doesn't always mean quality, but... Yeah. Imagine if Duke Nukem hadn't been delayed. How much of a disaster that would have been. It probably would have been a better game. Honestly, yeah. They restarted development on it like four times. Let's see. E3 is dead again! There will be no digital showcase this year. Hoping to bring the show back in 2023. I, I enjoy Summer Games Fest more in the first place. Yeah. Reaches out towards creators directly. I will always be drawn to the pomp and circumstance of E3. Like, it's just a fun environment, or at least it was. But it's become a lot less of that lately, so. For, for sure. I'm glad that we do not have Nintendo booth babes anymore, though. Like, <laughs> I appreciate we're moving forward from, this 3DS might have touched a woman's butt at some point. Oh, that, I still can't believe that happened. Got right? Like, the mixed messages from Nintendo has been a theme for most of its lifespan. Yeah. And then, not to end this news segment on a downer, uh, some nice news. Uh, Return to Monkey Island was just announced today. Yeah, I noticed that. I mean, technically this is April news, but who cares? We're recording this on yeah, the day okay. of. It, it counts. I, lo I love that trailer. It's like, you just said you don't like make this game and just push the skull off. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for including Murray, the demonic talking skull. It was very important. And, it's been, and Devolver Digital as well. I feel like Devolver Digital, like, it's weird to credit a publisher with quality, but they seem to, like, be magnetized towards a specific brand of humor and game that I really, really appreciate. Yes, I, I'm reassured that I know what I'm getting with Devolver. Like, they yeah. have a good vibe about them. And that's all I had for news. Did you have anything? I have two things. Uh, the smaller one is that um, Monster Hunter Sunbreak had a presentation that actually finally got some hooks in me. Okay. Had a had a really sick, like, um, armored monkey design. Nice. i throw that at you real quick. Yeah, hit me. It's, it's like, based off of, like, a Frankenstein's monster. Garingolm is the name of it. And it's just, like, finally got me interested in, like, the creature designs of their, of Sunbrick. And then there's a monster called Astalos back, which is literally a, an, ele an electrified insect dragon, which is just sick design overall. Ooh, yeah. Second Monster Hunter like starts throwing like creature designs at me. It really gets me going. Just like okay, yeah, I I need to I need to wear this. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I need to clothes you. Yeah, and and then uh, there was another presentation that I kind of want to talk about, but I I struggle to know where to start because it's a very difficult game to talk about, and that's Hogwarts Legacy. For okay. obvious reasons, if you exist on the internet, yes, or in life, or in general. Indeed, yeah. Uh, so, a bit of background just why this is complicated for me. I used to work for Avalanche Studios as a QA tester for Disney Infinity 2.0. Okay. I, I was I was terrible at the, at, the, at the job, but I'm still very fond of the people that work there, which has made the... Like, I, I, I totally understand why the Death via association with the Harry Potter brand is going on right now, just everything that J.K. Rowling said. Uh, but yeah. it's also... Ah... It's very frustrating to see the work of my friends get pushed to the side because of that, especially when they've done a lot to directly counteract the things that she said. Like, yeah. you make a transgender character in Harry uh, Hogwarts Legacy. That's that's awesome. And it never gets talked about because they see people see Harry Potter and just brush it to the side altogether. Well, I've heard bad things about, you know, the opposition being the 
oppressed goblin race. Yeah, the goblin thing as well, which this is this is a complete tangent because um I I I like like researching a lot of this stuff as well. Inspirations for like mythical creatures because I like to do a lot of world building for D anD. d It's just interesting to see how these sorts of things come across. Up, mm-hmm. uh, goblins are weird because like they started as these knockers that were only like dead miners, but then they got popularized by anti-Semitism, but everything else. But then they expanded across the world and started losing that connection. It's a it's a very I, I feel ridiculous trying to argue this from any angle, but because from one hand, obviously, like. A depiction of something has horrible sources for it. Right. But the other hand, when a depiction has grown and evolved to a point that you don't recognize it as a source to something, unless it's specifically pointed out, what do you do then? I have a, I have a similar... Uh, Lord of the Rings is my favorite franchise in general. I have a similar thing with orcs. Gotcha. It's just... I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I have faith in those people that they have... Just with how much they've tried to push against Rowan's transgender comments that they'll they'll handle the subject well, I'm hoping. I don't know. Ugh, Harry Potter is so difficult to talk about because if you even start talking about there's five separate issues that immediately jump to light. Yeah. I don't know. And it's also hard for me because apart from Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter has probably been the most formative media franchise for me throughout my life. I'm talking multiple birthday parties, both myself and friends. I see. So it's a it's it's really difficult to be like okay am I just being defensive or am I just incapable of seeing this from an outside perspective? No, it's fair. Cause like because I, I am still stupidly excited for this game. I've been dreaming about something about this for decades, but I also feel I I can't tell if I'm feeling guilty because I also want to defend the work of my friends and it's just it's a it is a multi layered thing in my head. No, it, it's understandable. Um, I think it's perfectly okay to be excited for anything and any property and support it to the degree in which you feel comfortable because it inevitably there's like different lines that you have to draw because there's if you go to everything there's no ethical consumption like everything will hit everything and everything will support everything in a negative light and some things will directly and some things will indirectly it's up to you to research where those lines are and feel out where they are and if something means that much to you if something is that formative to you if something would create a significant positive impact in your life then that's not just a money question of do it or don't it's different for every single person and I think that this is a big enough game that it should be talked about. It should be examined. And I think that the initial launch for it is going to be loud and ugly. I honestly think that. But I think that we will get the truth of the game, the real feeling of the game, the real heart of the game, and what people are going to get out of it about two months after its release. I think that's when think pieces are really going to start pouring out. So I hope this game does not release at the end of the year. I hope it Ah, releases mid-year. targeted for holiday. That is very unfortunate. I don't think it'll do well at Game Awards then. It's not going to... Oh, I don't think it would have done well at Game Awards in the first place. Well, I mean in anyone's Game of the Year or anything as well. Oh, okay, yeah. I think that it's not going to be remembered as a game of 2022 in that case. Probably. I think it's going to be... I think it's going to end up as a cult classic if this trend continues. I, I don't think it's going like, to... It's The trailer for it is literally the most watched single-game trailer on PlayStation's site. Like, it's going to sell ridiculously oh, yeah. well. Yeah, it will. Like, for obvious reasons. But I, I don't think that the discourse around it will settle for a while. For sure, for sure. 
Oh, I don't know. This is... I feel like these sorts of issues are something I could talk about for literally hours because I think the... Uh, how do I how do I word this? Best and worst thing about the internet is that you can be a diplomat or a spokesperson for literally anything you want to, mm-hmm. which is great when you want to show solidarity for people to get your words known, but it's terrible when you're trying to get change perspectives. There's a reason that those sorts of positions and like real world things are ha- really difficult and really sought out for because it's difficult to do. Right. I don't, I don't know. I I I I wanted to talk about this kind of just to give an outside perspective of, like, I don't think the developers deserve to be, like, lampshaded for what Rowling has said, because they've been working on this game much longer than the controversies even existed. Right, right. So where are you releasing in the future? I have no <laughs> good transition out of this. <laughs> it just, it just really isn't. It's a, you don't really need a good transition from a serious topic. That should just linger, I, I hope. It's something that people should think about. But uh, everything that I've talked about last time is basically what I'm working on now because I haven't had much time to work on things this month. Yep. I've had to be searching for jobs. I've had to have I have to prepare to move. I've had to have the days of just like worrying about, oh, I have so many things to do and just do, spending my whole day worrying, realizing I haven't gotten anything done in the day. That's always fun to have happen. Yep. Uh, <sighs> really, the only new addition is actually, uh, can I talk about this? I get uh, yeah, you, you alluded to it a little bit. Yeah, uh, making a Joy, Joy Mech Fight video for Designing For. Yeah. I'm working on it, it's why I'm playing the game, and it has been a ton of fun to make. Yeah. Not as far into it as I would like to be. I've only got like seven minutes, but hopefully I'll have that done in April. That. I'm hopeful. Yeah. So yeah, here are the subjects of things that I hope to be done in April. Um, Team Fortress 2, that one got delayed again for various technical reasons. Because we're trying to make it big. We're using SFM. It's it's a big project. It's a big meaty boy. And we had to finish Pikachu for uh you know sponsor related reasons. Yeah. Um Captain Falcon. Mother three. Nice. Joy Mech Fight. And maybe if we get it in, I might have one on Diddy Kong. Alright, solid lineup. Yeah, after a pretty quiet last two months, everything has come together where I should have a lot coming out. Really hope so. Kind of, kind of. I've been working on a lot of things at the same time, so it's kind of a similar boat. I hope I can get that Kirby video done this month, but I, I'm gonna, I gotta move first, and then hopefully my productivity will. I, I get you. I get you. Yeah, like I get through this work week myself before I can do much of anything. I feel that. Okay, so we've gone through all that, we've gone through all the heavy things, but let's see. You ready today for the bonus stage? Welcome to bonus stage! I like how we're waiting as if we're at, it's actually playing live. Right, you know to right. <laughs> okay, uh, you want to go? You want me to go? What you got? Uh, I, I'd like to go because I've got something I'm pretty passionate about okay. here. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, not something new this month, but something I rediscovered after years and years of years of kind of just forgetting about it. Uh, but I have a story here. Uh, imagine you're back in uh, middle school band class if you ever t- took such a thing. I did. I played the marimba. Nice. Me too. Nice. Nice. Love the love those. We are the same but person. We really are. <laughs> 
But like, it's it's right after a concert or something. Your your teacher's like wants to give you something for a reward, so he pulls out these amazing little DVDs with some of the coolest computer animation you've ever seen. Uh, I want to talk about a little thing called Animusic today. Okay. Uh, way, 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 way back. I think it was like 2003 off the top of my head, something like that. Uh, two guys came together and created this interesting little animation program that's, um, uh, created computer-based music animation by literally building instruments and then feeding it a, uh, sheet music to tell the instruments what to play. Because normally if you're trying to, like, animate, um, something musical, that's a lot of moving pieces and it'd be take hours upon hours upon days upon months to finish. Right. But they created this clever program that just animates the instruments hitting whatever notes they would correspond to and then just feeding music into them. And it created some really cool animations. I'm going to send you one. Alrighty. Actually. Send you Pipe Dream. Just to kind of give you an idea of what this is like. It allowed them to use moving parts on a level that wouldn't be like, met for many years afterwards in terms of animation. Like, this came out a very long time ago. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, this is this is mesmerizing. Oh. Right? Oh, wow. Uh, this, th- is, there's... this is rhythm heaven on steroids. It, it, exactly, exactly. There's two DVDs and I think 15 songs total, all using, like, various different set pieces. Like, there's one with, um... A really cool, like, pirate guitar system. I'll send you a picture of that. I like pirates. Like, like they're music videos, but they're also really, really in-depth animations of just creating these living instruments that will play themselves in variously, in various different ways. Yeah, this is mesmerizing I, to look at. Right? And the music's also pretty good, too. Yeah? It marries, um, like, visual and auditorial just... <laughs> A candy, frankly, in a way that th- combines together in a way that I've never seen emulated before since. I th- I'll, I'll hopefully have things on the screen to show people what this is like. So if anybody's curious, please just look up Animusic. Yeah, it is fantastic. Um, it's also got a very fascinating, if not a little sad, story behind it. Oh, okay. Uh, because there were supposed to be three Animusic DVDs. Um, the third one was kickstarted like I think in two thousand seven. Oh, wow, okay. It hasn't come out yet. Oh. Just a... Uh, from what I've, I've heard, it sounds like the creator actually can't physically make things as much. Okay. Uh, like, risk problems, like, trying to animate things like uh, oh, of I that see. nature. I see. The, the, the Toby Fox, yes. N- yes. N- not to but downplay it, anything, but... Yeah, it, it's fascinating because, I don't know, it, it's still technically being worked on. Just, it's just a Kickstarter story that kind of refuses to die. Right. It's, it's weirdly become... It's almost a Half-Life 3 for me. Because, again, I've had this in my life since middle school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, I, I, as you can see watching it, like, it is... There, there's nothing quite like it. Like, I'm only showing you a few of them. I'll try to grab... Like, this... There's one that... I'll throw this on over to you. This uses, um, fiber optic lights. Like, oh, various wow. lights will travel down those little wires and light up different instruments. Yeah, okay. There's gigantic drum machines that will just have various bits and pieces come together. One of the coolest things about this is that not only are the, is it instruments, um, uh, robots playing instruments, they, like, build on top of each other to create a larger and larger robot that's just all playing instruments at the same time. Yes, I could definitely see that. Like, you'll see this one, it's just interlocking rings, and more and more rings will get added to it as it goes on. It's, it's, it's one of the sickest pieces of animation 
than I've ever seen. Yeah, I could agree with that. And I am happy to highlight it here. Awesome. That's all I had to say about Animusic. What's your bonus stage? All right. Um, so I want to just veer uh, hard right out of the comfort zone of, I think, everyone. Let's talk about wrestling. Yes. <laughs> I know nothing about wrestling. I'm interested to see her. Are you sure? What like what's your base familiarity with wrestling? Ah, uh, do you I, know what the main company is called? I don't. I've seen a endless gifs of just various moments, and that is pretty much it. Does the name Randy Orton mean anything? Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. I needed to know how far removed we are. <laughs> uh. uh Distant spectator removed. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, I enjoy wrestling in the same way I feel that people who got day jobs who used to watch soap operas like soap operas, where I will not watch them anymore, but I will read the summaries online to keep caught up. But I will occasionally watch big WWE pay-per-views. What I haven't done is watch much of their competitor, AEW which recently rose up, at, like in the past three years, WWE has had an absolute monopoly on the uh, Western wrestling industry. It's just had a chokehold that since about 2000, probably 2000, yeah, nothing has been able to compete with. WCW went down, I think, the year after, but they were dead by then. I really do love wrestling because it is acting and storytelling told through combat. Like, it okay, is okay. the safest and sanest version of gladiatorial combat made to be dramatic and made to tell a story, as opposed to, say, the recent fall of boxing where rest holds and the like are constantly employed. I think that wrestling at its best is a combination of a character journey while also challenging the limits that the human body can go through. So it stimulates on a level both intellectual and just in that sort of shock and awe amazement of pure physicality. WWE's current work rate has, I wouldn't say fallen a bit because the in-ring product has definitely improved, but their storytelling has become muddied and what they allow their performers to do has become stagnant with some rare exceptions. Like... In the current product, I love Big E. I love him so much. I hope that he recovers very soon. He recently just broke his neck. So. Ah, yeah, that would. What a gem of a human being he is. But AEW has risen as a competitor to have that higher work rate level, have that sort of soap opera element to it. Um, it's, to my understanding, it's gotten a bit convoluted with uh, just the amount of factions that it has in it to be harder to see for a outsider it's it's got its hooks in a very strong core wrestling audience but not so much a casual audience from my understanding i only saw the first episode of dynamite but i decided to watch their major pay-per-view uh, aew revolution all right and just see if it could sell me on it and it did definitely sell me on a significant portion of the product um, there were some great matches here. Uh, Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston opened it up. Are you are you familiar with Jericho's work? I am not. Okay, so Jericho's been a big name for the past 20 years. Uh, he's a headliner of this company. He was a WWE main eventer who mainlined, or headlined WrestleMania before. Big name in WCW. 
big, huge matches in New Japan, has his own rock band, has his own podcast. Just just a big name journeyman. All right, all right. And he is a great professional wrestler. And he had a great match with Eddie Kingston, whose gimmick seems to be, from my understanding of him, that he does not know that wrestling is fake. <laughs> Because Jericho just goes, oh, yeah, I see you're doing this with a nice baby face pop. And he looks at him and goes, what's a baby face? A baby face is a good guy in wrestling. Uh, But yeah, they have a very nice, very solid match where it's very much last man standing. Whoever they're giving it their all and trying to get everything out of each other. It was good. I enjoyed it. It was very much, oh, the sound of flesh banging against meat. That's uncomfortable. And they do a really good job of it. There was a great match, which was uh, the Young Bucks versus Red Dragon versus Jurassic Express. And I just want to talk about Jurassic Express for a little bit. Because there there are two wrestlers to this tag team. Uh, The first one is Jungle Boy. And when I say the name Jungle Boy, yes, it's exactly what you expect. Okay. (laughs) It's just like a Tarzan man, and he does incredible flippy shit. It's just the way that he moves. He's very low to the ground. He does a lot of rolls. People lift him against the ring ropes, and he runs across the ring ropes sideways like you'd expect Tarzan to. It's captivating to watch him. And uh, he has his friend Luchasaurus, who is just a big man in a dinosaur mask who does choke slams. <laughs> and I love this match because it's just the Young Bucks, whose gimmick seems to be they are really, really good at doing giant showy moves that are over dramatic and over the top and will make you say human beings can't do that. Teaming up with Red Dragon, who are also that, but also seem incapable of not shit talking for five seconds because they are constantly shit talking, just beating the ever loving shit out of Jungle Boy for so long and preventing Luchasaurus from getting any offense in and helping him. And you just really feel for Jungle Boy because he's doing so many clever things to keep himself alive and keep himself in the match and get back to Luchasaurus. Just a riveting performance to see that uh, from someone who doesn't watch a lot of wrestling. We had a great match involving a guy named Orange Cassidy, whose gimmick is he doesn't give a shit. He's just wearing skinny jeans and sunglasses to the ring and keeps his hands in his pockets the whole time. It's just like, whatever. I don't care. (laughs) Like, he starts the match, and he goes up to people, and he just lightly kicks them on the shins, and just goes back and forth doing that. And the entire audience goes, hey, hey, every single time. (laughs) Uh, He has a spot where he's about to fight, but then he goes, wait, wait. And then he puts his hands in his pockets, and he goes, okay, come on. And then he starts lazily avoiding attacks and kicking back. That was, as an introduction to him, that was incredible to watch. He has a spot where they're holding a ladder sideways because it's a ladder match, and then he flips on top of the ladder with using as little effort as possible, and then they move the ladder so it crotches him, and he falls to the ground from high up. It is incredible, and also funny, and also horrible. <laughs> Um, just a bunch of great matches. Uh, John Moxley versus Brian Danielson was really, really clever. Um, but none of them particularly stuck with me, aside from the fact that Sting, a 62-year-old man, jumped through five tables. Wow. Yeah. He shouldn't be doing that, but damn, he did that. 
main event between Hangman Page and Adam Cole was absolutely fantastic. Just, it was overbooked wrestling shit where it's like, they're throwing finishers at each other and you're like at the point of, okay, yeah, okay, I, I do kind of get it. You're both really, really strong. Can we get to the finish? But excellent work getting there. But the match I want to highlight, as I've been rambling forever, is Maxwell Jacob Friedman versus CM Punk. Are you familiar with the name CM Punk? It is ringing a bell, but I can't, like, I'm not connecting anything to the name. Yeah, he was an absolutely huge name in WWE. Uh, Before that, in, I believe, ECW. Huge, huge name. World champion. But the issue was he never main evented WrestleMania because in the years that he was champion, they had John Cena versus The Rock as the main event twice. And that overshadowed him every single time. And he was fed up with creative and it destroyed his will to do wrestling. So he left and he was beloved, absolutely beloved. Did MMA for a while, uh, was an announcer on Ninja Warrior, I believe. But uh, this, and likely a large sum of money involved, brought him back to wrestling. And this was a feud with uh, MJF, who is... Imagine if Groose were rich. (laughs) That kind of pompous bully character with like an upper crust tinge to it, who just thinks that they are absolutely above it all can talk you down for days. Just a fabulous worker. And they are in a dog collar match, where both of them are strapped to each other's necks by two dog collars and a 10-foot steel chain. Oh, okay. And the shit they do with that chain. They clobber each other with it. At one point, CM Punk wraps the chain around his knee, which shortens, of course, the distance that MGF can retreat to, and then strikes him with the knee. It is an absolutely brutal slugfest. <laughs> and the, the thing about this is that CM Punk cuts himself open within like the first four minutes. And I think that blood should be earned in wrestling. I think that it should come late in a match. So I don't know if it was intentional, but he cut deep. Like there is a crimson mask of blood over his face the entire match. Damn. What was the runtime? 26 minute match. And he is dripping blood for 22 of those minutes. So at some point, you start wondering, what is the human limit here? How far can they go? He, he looks like he's going to be dying, and you can't tell if he's acting it or if like he's really starting to get loopy. And that part is like what really gets me into wrestling. The part where like you know it's not real, but what's happening is so real, and what's being put on the line is so there and so present and what i love about this match is that mgf's finisher is his right hand he decks you so hard with it and there's nothing that you can do with it and cm punk targets that hand constantly through the whole match every little bit and uh, cm punk's finisher is that he brings you onto his shoulders and he makes you go to sleep and it's a big showy move So MJF is targeting that for the entire match, just whittling them down. And they get at the point where, like, you get to these hope spots where, like, they're setting up for it. They're getting it. They're almost all there. And then they just scream in agony. So you get to a point where neither one of them is capable of putting the other away. 
They have thoroughly disabled their each other's ability to finish this. And all they can do is slug each other, and that's not enough to put the other down. So it gets to a legitimate point of how the hell is this going to end? Like, what can either human do to put the other away? And MJF has the answer. He calls to the person who's been his manservant for the past two years, Wardlow. And he asks him to give him his studded steel diamond ring. That, like, if that decks you, that like that's going to do most of the work. And Wardlow, who has been encumbered by this relationship to MJF, who has not been allowed to exist for two years, looks in his pockets and he goes, Oh shit, dude, the ring's not here. Sorry. And then CM Punk gets a cheap blow in, and then Wardlow looks at CM Punk and goes, Oh, it was in my other pocket. And he leaves the ring on the side of the apron and leaves. And then (laughs) CM Punk takes it, decks him, and gets the win. And it just... God. I have no strong investment in AEW storylines. I just know bits and pieces from listening to what I assume is wrestling. And because it's not too hard to guess what a storyline is. But my god, just seeing that, that was poetry of storytelling. Do I think it was super, super exceptional in how it was paced? No. But I think just the way it drew me in and the way that I felt the limitations of the human body was so worth celebrating. And that's why I love, that's why Mick Foley is my favorite wrestler of all time. And the things that he would do to himself for entertainment just ugh, brought me back to that. Love that match. Nice. Uh, I, I will admit that I, I've i never really gotten the allure of wrestling before now, but I'm, I'm, star- I'm starting to kind of get it now. Like, this is making a lot more sense to me. Yeah. I think a good place to start for anyone is look up what the Firefly Funhouse match is between Bray Wyatt and John Cena. Because you will not guess that it is a reality-bending, dimension-hopping, reality-changing... <laughs> character deconstruction of john cena's career i I would not have guessed that yeah not in a million years yeah (laughs) i think people get so worked up in the narrative of like oh yeah this isn't real it's not supposed to be yeah i mean but like the physicality is still very much real yeah i think it's more impressive that they string this together you know how hard it is to memorize lines in yeah. a play? Imagine memorizing entire sequences, entire lifetime, where your body is actively being whittled down. Yeah, and that that that, that gives a new a really new perspective to it. Yeah. Nice. I enjoyed I enjoyed that perspective. Thank you. Yeah, my I'm, pleasure. I might genuinely check that out. Yeah. All right. All right. Are you good on wrestling? I am all set on wrestling. Okay. Uh, to wrap things up here, we actually have a uh, just a couple of comments from the viewers that we're going to talk about. Uh, I went back and uh, grabbed a bunch of comments from uh, topics that people would like us to cover. Oh, okay. But that I feel like we... Like, either there's not enough to say here, or there's just, like, it's a one-sided interest or something like that. I just wanted to right. go through some of these, like, ask you a couple of questions related to them, maybe to give these people a little bit of what they want. Yeah, of course. Uh, first off, uh, well, not first, like, half of this. We got a lot of comments just talking about, like, various other tier lists people would like us to make. Uh, everything from 
Marvel vs. Capcom 3, to Nick's All-Stars Brawl, to Super Smash Flash 2. Uh, maybe someday, but frankly, a bit of burnout in that regard. Yeah. Also, I'd like to see where Nick ends up, as well as the Warner Brothers spinoff multiverses or whatever it is. Uh, multiverses, yeah, I think. I'd, yeah, I'd like to see where they settle before making a judgment calls on those. Uh, for sure, for sure. Um, I would like to say, just, just to kind of give these people like a little bit of what they want, what do you think are the best characters from those games? Like, if you had to give an S tier, I, I mean, Catdog from Nick All-Star to Brawl. Yeah, uh, so Catdog. Is, is, a, is a pretty easy one. <laughs> yeah, Catdog. Um, do love Reptar. Do love his feel. Like, they get the massive dinosaur feel of that character so well. Uh, genuinely one of the best heavies I feel like I've played, which really, like, was a nice surprise to find. Yeah, and they lean into his physicality rather than having attacks be references, and I appreciate that. Nick goes a little far in attacks being references at times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with Smash Flash 2? Um, not enough that I can properly rate it. Uh, I will say here that I think Black Mage is one of the best Super Smash Brothers designs I've seen in general. Okay. It is, has a fantastic cornucopia of spells. For, I, I think it's the best spellcaster like, that this formula has ever seen. Yeah. Uh, it does a really cool thing where if you fully charge the smash attacks, they become souped up versions of the attacks they are. Like there's um, fire, blizzard, and thunder, but they become Faraga, Blizzaga, and Thundaga. Good. If you charge them up fully. Good. Like forward smash is just a lightning blast forward, but if you charge it up fully, It'll send like a cloud for that's constantly striking lightning beneath it and covers like half the stage in as it travels. Oh, very nice. Has a lot of cool things that you can um there's a stopping time ability within it. It has a really cool um down air where you slash one of death's scythes and it'll create an effect on you mm -hmm. with a little skeleton hovering next to you that will spike you in like three seconds. So literally creating the death effect in Smash in like a Smash Brothers setting without actually killing you outright, which is just really really cool. Oh, that's great! Oh, yeah. Also, Rayman's in Smash Flash. I, I think his design's fine, but just the fact that he's there is enough to make me unbelievably happy. Yeah, and probably argue for an A tier at least. That's fair. I hope they bring back Mr. Incredible. Right? Like you're gonna go for the memes? <laughs> just, just, just dive into it. I man. wish that he were even more of a meme. You know, I, I will say, just for those kind of games, just to kind of what I would say for the tier lists, it bums me out when I see those sorts of games bring in veterans and not do anything with them. Yeah. Just copy and paste what they are in Smash Brothers. Like, like Smash Flush recently put Ganondorf in. Uh-huh. It's, it's just it's just Ganondorf. He's got, like, two attacks no. that are new. Yeah. But, like, come on, man. You, you, you have potential there. Use it. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, are any others? You said Marvel 3? Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom one was one, yeah. Oh, uh, I, I'm not familiar, but Phoenix Wright. You? Phoenix Wright. Yes. Okay. No, I am familiar with Phoenix Wright. Phoenix Wright's amazing. Yes. I believe that uh, Sugar Punch Design Works has a video on Phoenix Wright and his translation into a fighting game, and it's fabulous. Excellent. Excellent. And yeah, that's uh, that's the one that absolutely stands out the most to me. Uh, I do really like Frank West in how he encourages photography by slowly getting stronger when he takes pictures. Past that, I'm not entirely sure, because, like, I played Hagar Arthur, and I just love those characters. Like, I'm not at the point with Marvel vs. Capcom where I can dig in deep and say, no, this is, this is absolutely perfect, aside from, like, damn, Dante, you got a lot of moves. 
Like, I'm still at the point of the game where my favorites are the characters that I like, though. For, for the kind of tier list we made for Smash Brothers, you have to be really knowledgeable of everything, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is very difficult to do. There's not a lot of games I feel like I could comfortably do that. Right. Uh, the only one is... I, like, only other one for me is Heroes of the Storm, which I actually got, like, several comments asking for, which, thank you, that may warm my heart. Not gonna do that, because I think, not only is that, I'm pretty sure, a one-sided interest. Mm-hmm. It, it is. I, I also, know the Lost Vikings it. are in it, and I like them. Uh, I will say that Cho'Gall is one of the most brilliant MOBA characters I've ever seen. It is literally one character, but two players, controlling the separate heads. Okay. Yeah, one player controls the physicality, the other one's doing the damage. It's brilliant. Oh, that's fun. Couple other comments just asking for just various other videos. Uh, one asked for a video regarding jo Joy Mech Fight, which, you know, stay tuned. That's coming. Yo, guess what? You get it. Support uh, it. Share it with your friends. It needs to do well. Yes, please. <laughs> this, as, as you said, this is now our goal. We gotta, we gotta, get, we gotta get Joy Mech Fight too. My goal is to be the number one Joy Mech Fight YouTuber. <laughs> All seven of them. Yeah, exactly. There are literally singles of us. Uh, then there were other comments just asking for like various other like topics. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw a couple of people asking for a Pokemon Design Dorks episode, which I feel like after we talked about it last time, uh, the, the general sentiment is that Pokemon is more fun when you don't talk about it. Agreed. I mean, I could talk about my favorite Pokemon and stuff, but that's about all I could do. I don't. Putting objectivity to what is the best Pokemon does not feel uh, right to me. Besides the fact that it's Magikarp. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Maybe, maybe like, someday, like, I don't know, design a Pokemon or favorite Pokemon designs or history or something like that. But actually talking about the Pokemon series just generally isn't very enjoyable. It's it's taxing. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if you want a bone, my favorite Pokemon are Cubone, uh, Meloetta... Snorlax, Mimikyu, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Baynet over Mimikyu, Baynet. And the fifth one is flexible, but could be either Blacephalon or Hitmonchan, probably. I, I only, have a, only have a solid top two, but those are the, um, the Trico line and the Growlithe line. Entirely fair. Which, which switch places all the time. Those are just... Yeah, I get it. Those are good. My absolute happy place. That's a little bit more understandable than me saying, yes, the ghost clown with the explodey head. <laughs> Him. I wanted to shout out um, Azul Smalls, um, who was took sympathy with my gripes with possibly needing to play Xenoblade 2 to understand Xenoblade 3. Uh, it's just, just watching Chuck Conray's Let's Play, which you know what? That's, that's, that's actually a fantastic idea. That's Thank you. That's a good idea. Oh, I haven't watched Chugga in forever. It's just always great. Like, it's it's Chugga. What, what? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, pr my, my, might actually be just the best way to experience Xenoblade. Like, oh, I, I put that over playing the game. I even like the first one. Okay. Just turn that on in the background if you want to understand the Xenoblade story. He he makes the bad parts of the game great, and the great parts even better. Uh, any others? Uh, a lot of... Small ideas that I don't want to mention outright because we might actually do actual videos about this. Because like there was ones like brainstorming what could new entries to Dorrent series look like, which mm -hmm. I suppose you're talking about with Joy Mech Fight. That's just yeah, lots of potential. Yeah, um, a lot of uh, support for a best written Nintendo character, which 
you know, maybe stay tuned for that as well. Maybe mm-hmm. you may not may or may not be what we're planning on doing next. I may not have been considering it for a long while. <laughs> <laughs> and then just one other idea that um might do a full episode of it, but from Mist Master the Gamer was asking for a hidden gems episode. I feel like that's easy to just turn into a question. Like, what is a particular like hidden gem game you know about? Uh, yeah, it's called Live Alive. Ha! <laughs> nice. I. That's so hard for me because I'm very, very loud about the games which I enjoy. And I'm like, yes, look at this. This one, though. Like, I just recently remade my uh, top 100 games list. And a lot of them are obscure little gems. There's a lot of games where I feel like if I say them and say that, oh, this is obscure, you, you probably haven't played Umineko no Nakukoro ni. But then a lot of people in the VN community will be like, no, Umineko is pretty base level shit, but it's also really good. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the things that really just depends on the the circles that you Exa- Exactly, exactly. I, I guess to throw out one name in specific that I don't think is talked about much from circles I've seen, uh, I'll shout out Half Minute Hero. This was a really fun little RPG released for the PlayStation Portable that I think is on Steam now with really ugly non-sprite graphics but please change them back to the sprite graphics. All right. You have 30 seconds to beat an entire RPG level. And it just is like, okay, grind, 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 grind. Okay, now get to the town. Okay, time is stopped in town, so you do your shopping. And now go. (laughs) And it was such a fun progression and plays with that and the idea of time so nicely. Like, oh, this bridge only opens at five seconds to the end. But you can't get that far. Can you reset time fast enough? It's so clever. It's so willing to poke fun at and play its genre straight. It was a great game that got me through a bunch of essays and exams. Nice. Uh, I suppose to kind of go off of just what's popular in our circles, uh, if you have a Switch, play Divinity Original Sin 2, please. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the guys that are making Baldur's Gate 3 right now. That's one of the best RPGs I have ever played. Got absolutely snubbed at the Game Awards, but got, didn't get it nominated for anything. That was bullshit. Uh, but for something that I don't think anybody has heard of, there was a series of games from my childhood called Avernum. You're right, I've never heard of it. It's an isometric turn-based uh, RPG sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very basic graphics and sound design. Um, toss a screenshot to here right now. All right. If, if if what you see, kind of like a a Dungeons and Dragons just map layout. Oh wow, yeah, that it, does not appeal at all. Yeah, very very simplistic design. But I've always loved these games because I really like the world that this person is. And one guy, by the way, a Spiderware Studio software. I think it's just a single dude making these. Creates this world of uh, humans on the surface are really strict. And they send all their criminals through a portal to an underground place called Avernum. And this, the story of these games revolves around just these criminals trying to make out a uh, society of their own. Oh, I wish you ended it. This is about these criminals trying to make out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you go, criminals. It's a very engaging world. I enjoy it a lot. Oh, and they get engaged? Awesome. <laughs> Ex- yes, yes. Let's go. If it gets you to play the game, then yes. Okay. I might call it like a hidden bit of quartz more than a hidden gem, but I still enjoy it. Yeah. And yeah, it's about all I have for comments. Cool. 
So thank you all for watching. This has been Design Dorks Garden. Yeah. We will see you again uh, next month for whatever April has in store for us, where I will likely gush for hours about Lego Star Wars. That is fair. I, shit, I have to find something I actually play, aside from an addendum on Kirby. <laughs> I mean, we can talk more about Kirby if that, you like. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. All right. That's it. Go away. <laughs>